Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. We focused on black history. A light went off in my head. And just like, just learning about everything, you know, for a couple weeks straight, all at once mm. just made me, I had never thought about the oppression that black people face in that way. There was just so much that I didn't understand. And again, I understand it's, that. it's I my fault that I didn't you. educate myself. I mean, this is a very serious matter, but I have to tell you, when you tell me you go to your coach, where do you find a diversity coach? I mean, is, where, is well, this a list? Word, word of mouth, you know, to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing? How are we doing? We're living in a post-Ruth Bader Ginsburg era now. And it feels like we're in a very quick <laughs> free fall <laughs> over here in America. So that's fun. Feels great. Feels great. Anyway, um, what are we talking about this week? Later, I'm going to be talking about the latest episode of Real Housewives of Potomac with one comedian, Emmy nominee, Ray motherfucking Sonny. Hope you guys enjoy that. Before that, I'll be talking about somebody much worse, one Stassi Schroeder and her appearance on the Tamron Hall talk show but what are we doing today before we get into both of those incredible segments one much better than the other (laughs) and uh, you can guess which one is which we are also living in a post beverly hills housewives season era and that's a lot more fun than having rbg be r.i.p i'm so sick of these bitches (laughs) 
I cannot. I'm sure that you guys have heard all the drama that's happening with Teddy Mellencamp and her all-in diet plan, accountability, bullshit. This is probably the most exciting thing that has happened with regard to Teddy in years, frankly. Um, but it's a hot mess, a real hot mess. There have been NDAs broken. There have been DMs sent. There have been fights about DMs sent and proper tagging on Instagram stories. I hope you guys all saw that because I'm not going to recap it, but it was a bunch of mess. <laughs> um, but, you know, Teddy's diet plan has been coming under fire recently. And it's all about basically how unhealthy it is. It is very triggering for people who have disordered eating, from what I'm told. And it sounds really messed up. It basically requires its clients to adhere to a around 500 calorie diet every day. It involves taking pictures of your weight every day and a 60 minute workout that you have to provide proof of. There have been stories and allegations of um, the coaches being really mean and nasty and verbally abusive towards the clients who didn't reach their goals and yeah, just having it be like you have to eat soup every day for dinner and just like really, really messed up. Did you guys see the um, recipe for her tacos? It was like lettuce wrap and like I think it was some avocado in the middle. Not a meat, not a rice, not a starch, not a carb to be found incredibly depressing and I think like maybe you got to squeeze some lemon on it so that sounds awful Teddy is railing against everyone who is a detractor Kyle and Camille got into a fight about it because Camille talked about how um you know she's throwing a little shade towards Teddy Joe and Kyle's like, why are you so mean? Why do you have to introduce yourself? Why are you always talking about us housewives? Which is like, would be a fair statement to make. But it's like, I'm just over Kyle Richards. And I just can't. <laughs> Even if, you know what? Here's the thing that we have to be honest about. You know, I think we're all coming to the conclusion as we grow older and as housewives get more and more into their seasons that we have to accept that there are some housewives that are necessary and vital to the cause, even if we don't personally like them or want to be in a room with them. And Camille is one of those people. I would shudder to think that I would ever be in the company of one Camille Donatachi grammar Meyer however the bitch makes a storyline even if it's ridiculous even if it's unnecessary drama was she responsible for more of the interesting fights this season and in Beverly Hills history you're damn right even that moment of them at the party 
this week. She brought, not this week, this season, she brought her friend Kimber. <laughs> the cast of characters in Camille's um, life, you know, like, the lady has a grown-ass woman friend named Kimber, you know? And that that's enough. But there was that whole thing where Eileen and Rena showed up to the party. They made eyes on Camille and Kimber. Rena goes right up to her and says, like, hey, you were an asshole to me on Twitter. And that was far more interesting than this whole, like, Denise Richards, Brandy bullshit. And that was only about 30 seconds. So that tells you all you need to know. Since we had to stretch that Brandy and Denise uh, storyline into hell. Speaking of which, Rena put on her Instagram stories something along the lines of like, please write to Bravo TV if you would like to see us cast get along and be glamorous and do cool things. And you don't want us to see to see us fight. Why was Rena even involved in the fight with Denise? Why? It had nothing to do with her. Denise said nothing about Rena that would cause her to want to go after her. And certainly whether or not Brandy sucked her clit has nothing to do with Lisa Rena. Also, have you guys seen that person on Twitter who tweeted something like, Oh, um, Lisa, do you want me to tell about how my friend Patricia fucked your husband in summer of 2018? We want to talk about that? Let's talk about the husband. Let's talk about the husband. Does anybody believe that Harry Hamlin is faithful to Lisa? Or are you delusional? <laughs> like, we know that he's probably stepping out, right? We all know that, right? Right? Okay. Um, let's touch on... Housewives of New York. This is going to be like a Bravo-centric episode. Oh, you know, I really hated to see Dorinda continue to double down on her hatred of Tinsley. And really, there was no through line. We never really got any sort of reason, but she kept going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny that she is. And it was just hard. It was really, really hard to watch. Really, truly. But that being said, I still dislike Ramona more. And I love that there is a, a door open for Dorinda to come back. You know what? I touched on... Season 7 of New York over the weekend. Just watched a couple episodes as I was piddling around. And I miss her. I miss Dorinda already. She came in and she was so, like, loving, kind. She was so kind to Ramona post-divorce to Mario. And I miss her. And I want that lady back. Speaking of ladies coming back, we got to talk about Leah because it was reported last week that she's very upset with the salary that she's been offering for her, that she's been offered for her second season. Allegedly, she made about six grand for her first season and they offered her just a very small increase. Of course, in these times, we can say 
that is ridiculous. Just take the money. Let's say they offered her 75 for season two. Take the fucking money. But I want to say that we need to add some context to the situation. A. Um, she was right. She elevates the shit. And I really think that Leah is the face of the franchise now. And I think she's really going to take it in a new direction. B. 60 grand is really not much. Doesn't go too far in New York. And 75, I think, is unfair. Personally, I think they should double her salary. And that's just my opinion. I think that it would be completely fair. And I also think that she just brought so much. She was so willing to play. And she was so in it. And she was so willing to be open and forthright about her life and all of that. I think she deserves it. I really, really do. They're supposed to start filming in a couple weeks. So I guess we'll see what happens. And frankly, like they're going to have to bring on a lot of other women, women on the show. We're now down to four New York housewives, which brings me to my next story that there might be, a couple of chocolate ladies joining and about to hold some apples. So it is being reported that the correspondent for Daily Mail and a journalist named Alicia Quarles is on the list, on the short list, to be on the show. I guess she has a connection with Luann, and so that would be a good fit. She also knows Dorinda. And there's another lady being reported on page six, and her name is Bursan Shaw. So she's a motivational speaker, and she, I guess, has filmed with some of the cast, but nothing has been official yet. I... I don't want to say that I'm not excited, because... New York and every franchise deserves to have the demographic of each city um, represented well. We're now 12 seasons or 11 seasons into New York, and we have not seen a black woman on that show since, um, uh, what is her name? Aviva's perverted father's wife. Are they still together? Surely they're not still together. Remember you had that like really young wife and she did nails down in Miami and then she got like a a show about her nail salon that was like an upscale nail salon. Gosh, her, Aviva's dad was a real perv. Remember he said that like, did he tell Ramona that he was like gonna have a boner in his casket or something? He was a real creep. A real creep. I, okay, so back to the diversity. I love the idea of it on its face, but you also have to consider the cast members and like, do I want to have a black woman be exposed to Ramona Singer? No, I don't think it's fair to them. So maybe this is a call to get rid of Ramona. Maybe next season is going to be her swan song because I just feel like she's going to say a series of problematic things 
And that makes me nervous. It makes me really nervous. And I don't think it's fair to, you know, they had the conversation during the part one of Beverly Hills reunion in which Andy brought up the fact that Garcelle was talking to Wendy Williams about how she believed that some of the, her castmates may have been self-editing or being a little bit more conservative, not conservative, but a little bit tame around her lest they be, you know, attacked or whatever you want to call it, called out by black Twitter, black social media outlets. And maybe I do, maybe I do want this because if we can get like a strong woman who's not going to be like, how do I say this? (laughs) If we get a strong woman who's going to be able to stand to Ramona and intimidate her as a strong woman and not like a black woman, not like black women, we often get this, you know, descriptor of being intimidating. I think it might see be a little bit fun to watch Ramona sweat a little bit. If she's not problematic and she just put it in her place, then I'm I'm here for it. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm absolutely here for it. All right, y'all. Let's move on. So, check it. I have to issue a formal apology, something that I have not done and will probably never do again on this podcast because all of my opinions are correct and that's why you listen to me. That being said, I have to apologize to one Tamron Hall. I uh, recently said that she was going to be having Saucy on her uh, talk show was not looking forward to it I am of the opinion and I think this is true that most daytime talk shows A are not really for me because B they don't typically go there and by that I mean it's usually very fluffy light fun entertainment you know, it's like, hey, let's talk to Marie Osmond about what she cooks for breakfast for her children on the weekends, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's not really for me. And admittedly, I had never seen the Tamron Hall show. And I just figured it would probably be more of the same. With that being said, I really have to take it back because this interview with Stassi was everything. And I have to give her an A. I think she addressed and questioned about upwards of 85% of the things that I would have asked her. And she did it in a way that I would have asked her. So let's get into exactly what happened, y'all. Um, wow. Okay, so first of all, it's worth stating that obviously... The Tamron Hall show films in New York, Saucy's in LA, even if she was filming in LA, they probably would have still had her coming from Skype. It appeared as though Saucy was like in front of a green screen because the the background was like of a living room and perhaps that is her living room, but it just felt fake. Also, it's worth noting that her hair looked like shit and 
she really went extra on the highlighter on the tip of her nose, which kind of gave her, like, Pinocchio realness. And, you know, maybe that was a little bit of the subconscious coming through on that because she was really, to me, not telling the truth on a few things here. So, <laughs> Tamron starts off by saying, basically asking her why... You know, she's like, I'm have a, I have a 15 year old kid. No, I have a 15 month old baby. <laughs> Big difference. And if I was five months into my pregnancy as you are, I would not be doing any sort of questioning, answering questions like this. So why are you here? <laughs> and yeah, Zazie says, like, you know, she needed time to process her feelings. She was frustrated that people just expected her to get it immediately. And lie number one, just right out the gate, is, like, she's acting as though these comments were made a few months ago. And it was just, like, in a matter of a week, she lost everything. When people have been calling for her reckoning and she has been repeatedly had... uh. Uh, companies drop from her podcast, former, former podcast, <laughs> former, um, you know, years ago, the allegations that ha well, not even allegations, the things that she said happened in 2017. So to act like, oh, I all of a sudden needed time to think about it is bullshit. It just really speaks to the fact that she did not at all take in what was said to her the first time when people tried to educate her and not until she lost everything did it really sink in and this is why you know people make a lot of comments about like quote-unquote cancel culture and stuff but this is why people go so hard because look had she not lost anything everything really like she would just be the same old person doing whatever the fuck she wanted like it took her losing basically millions of dollars a spot on a tv show to realize the things that she said and did were wrong that's fucked up it shouldn't take that much it really shouldn't but here we are so Tamara's response to that is, okay, so you wanted to think before you spoke, which is kind of ironic because you're in trouble because clearly you weren't thinking about what you said. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. All right, Miss T, I hear you. Tamara then says that behind the scenes, Saucy had spoken to her production team and wanted to make sure that she was not given or she did not want to give the impression that she was any kind of victim. And Tamron says, so if you're not a victim, then what are you? And Sassy says, I'm someone who messed up quite a few times. I'm the reason why I'm in this situation. And a lot of people wanted me to focus on cancel culture and whether I was a victim or not. And that's not how I feel at all. And I wonder if she has taken the time to let it, let her, to, to think about who she surrounds herself with. 
Because if this is the way you feel and you're able to articulate the fact that like you really wanted to make sure that you are not seen as a victim or you do not want to give the impression that people that you think you're a victim, then who are all these people in your circle talking about cancel culture and how you should just focus on that? Is it your fans? Is it your family? Is it your friends? All of the above, which I think is what the answer is. That's really something to think about. Like, if you are really wanting to be a better person, you have to surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you and who aren't just going to be like, oh, you didn't deserve any of this. You know, like if you're somebody who struggles with addiction, you're not going to go back and hang out with a bunch of addicts if you want to get better. You're going to hang out with people who don't do that stuff, who don't want you to fail. And I just really wonder if she has taken that into consideration that these people don't have any perspective. She can't be the only one in her universe who has that kind of mindset. So clock that. So then Tamron says, you know, when I posted about having you on the show, uh, there was a lot of response that you actually aren't a victim and that you're a racist. <laughs> so <laughs> Saucy says, well, yeah, that's really the hardest part. You know, going to the grocery store or going to a restaurant and looking around and wondering if people think that about me. And it's like, damn, it must have been really hard to like eat your appetizers wondering if people thought you were racist or if, you know, you're going to get some kombucha. Did the guy at Whole Foods think that you were racist? Probably, probably he did, Saucy. I don't really know if that's like a productive thought pattern to have. I guess I could get why you would think that, but it's like, okay, you're feeling a little bit sorry for yourself. And I think you're kind of overinflating your importance. This is Hollywood, girl. Like, I, I imagine seeing Saucy is probably not really high on the bingo card for most people, most Angelinos, if you will. Anyway. Um, she then says, you know, she's not racist. She doesn't believe herself to be racist. She doesn't believe that she ever was racist, but she wasn't anti-racist. And that's what she's been learning. So let's keep the learning part in mind because this shit made me laugh as it went on. So then they get to the faith situation and Tamron says, okay, well, it looked like the woman. So basically what happened is they, I think it's important to go back to the beginning and really frame where everybody was at at this point. Faith was on the show. The season after she was basically just on the first episode premiere in which she tells DJ James Kennedy, that she and Jax slept together. From then on, it seemed very obvious that everybody was like Team Britney. And instead of really holding Jax's disgusting Flintstone feet to the fire, several people on the cast, Britney, Saucy, and Kristen, and Lala, all pointed the finger at Faith. Now, I am an ardent believer of don't blame the person who they cheated with. Because, hey, Brittany, 
Faith was not in a relationship with you. Maybe you guys were like friends or friendly with each other and that's shitty in its own way, but you're the one when you go to bed at night, it's Jax that you have to see in that wide ass jaw. So sitting around and having all your girlfriends like talk shit about her nappy hair and all this shit and blame her and try to like go after Faith for, yeah, she slept with somebody that she shouldn't, but it's not her fault because you did not make any promise to Faith. So there we go. So these girls now go after Faith. What happens is there are rumors about Faith stealing from people, um, I don't know, like stealing from people's apartments. There was a story where, uh, Lala would put things around her place because Faith was living with her at one point and just like put items around her apartment to see if Faith would steal them. Saucy admits on a podcast that she, Lala, pulled a knife out on Faith on camera and they just didn't air it on the show. Um, Jax, uh, also accused Faith of stealing from him and, like, suggested that maybe she even stole a car of his, which seems like something that you would really want to follow up on. (laughs) But somehow that didn't happen. And just a lot of things. So then what happens is somebody sees an article on the Daily Mail and there is a photo a blurry, you know, like dark picture of a black woman at a, an ATM. They believe somebody sends this article to Kristen and Saucy or Kristen. Saucy does put a lot of responsibility on Kristen and like her friends are what told us that led us to this article. Her friends are were saying that, um, she stole from them They see this picture and immediately think it's Faith because of, she's a black woman, A, and B, because she was wearing a similar jacket to one of their friends. A jacket that people have, like, trolled this person's social media for and found similar jackets, but nothing that clearly, like, if anything was clear, it was clear that the jacket that she was wearing, this woman was wearing, was not the same as this guy's jacket. So the girl was in the Daily Mail, this random person was in the Daily Mail because she had been accused of like drugging and robbing men. And they just assumed, okay, we heard these rumors about Faith stealing from people. So of course she's the same black girl from this Daily Mail picture. So Tamron says, you know, I'm looking at this article. It says that the woman is 5'6", 120 pounds. The picture's not. It's grainy. This could be a descriptor of me. This could be a descriptor of many people in my staff. This could really be anybody. So did you really think that it was Faith? And Saucy was like, yeah, well, Kristen and I received multiple texts about it. And Tamron's like, okay, well, who sent the text? And Saucy says, well, you know, it doesn't really matter who sent them. And Tamron's like... Actually, it does matter. 
And I'm going to tell you why. It matters because if the police had gone to Faith's house, it could have changed her life. And there is a power or privilege that you have in being a white woman calling the police on a black person. I'm trying to understand why you would see a grainy photo on a website and then call the police on the only black woman you know. That's what I would like to know. That's what I would love to know. <laughs> we all have seen this picture. This girl does not look anything like Faith, other than the fact like she might have tattoos and she's got a wig or a weave on. That's literally it. They're kind of the same frame. But you can't really tell that because the girl's wearing a big jacket. So, stupid. Uh, so Stassi says, like, the bottom line was that people, there were people Kristen knew that were texting her that there was a girl who had stolen from us and we think it's this girl in the article and they're saying, like, oh, she's on your show and her name's Faith. And then she goes on to say, when you're on a show like Vanderpump Rules, your existence on the show is kind of dependent on you sticking your nose in other people's conflict or creating conflict that might be woven into a storyline. Now, these are things that happened after Faith was on the show. She was on one season, like as a cast member, and then that was it. So all of these things happened after she was on. So why are you trying to create storylines with people who aren't even on a show? If you're feeling all this pressure to instigate yourself into other people's business, wouldn't it make sense to instigate it with people who have signed a contract? People who have cameras in the front of their face, if that's your interest, like what, what sense does that make? Girl. Ugh. So then Tamron says that Saucy was on a podcast and was giddy talking about the whole situation with Faith and calling the cops on her. And she notes that it, the podcast that she was on was a whole year after they called the cops. So she goes on to say, like, so then by now, at that point, you knew it wasn't Faith because she hadn't been charged or arrested with anything. And Sassy's like, no, but we did still believe that it was Faith. So Tamron says, okay, so for a whole year... You believe that a woman who was on a reality show had been a suspect of some kind of crime spree and that somehow she was just running through the streets without having been arrested? And Saucy's like, yeah, we legitimately thought we were solving a crime. And Tamara goes, okay, well, what crime did you solve then? And Saucy's like, well, we didn't solve anything. <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> This is wild. Y'all, they went so far as to call the military police because um, Faith was in enlisted at that point. If nobody's doing anything, then I think you should let it go. <laughs> I think you should let it go. On the podcast, she said, you know, the police basically, like, if it's not an emergency, that they're not really that invested in taking your calls or getting any information from you. And it's like, okay, why did you, why were you so hell bent on this? Like, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Like, unless your friends or Kristen's friends had filed claims and you wanted her friends slash y'all's friends to get justice for that, then 
why are you calling her up about an article that you saw in the Daily Mail? Like, if this were me, this wouldn't just, it just wouldn't be my cause, but whatever. So they come back from commercial and Tamron says, you know, it's a live show. So clearly your team and mine are looking at social media to see people's reaction and people don't buy what you're saying. <laughs> and she said, and while I don't gauge it by people's reaction, I gauge it by your answer. So then Saucy reveals that she has a diversity coach to work with her. And Tamron says, honestly, based on the things that you said, I'm not convinced that you understand the ramifications that you could have had. And Saucy kind of goes back at her and she's like, no, I really do. I absolutely do. And I've spent the last three months working with a teacher and learning about everything. And there, you know, was so much that I didn't know because like, it's not just about race for her. No, excuse me. She says, because it's not about race for her, that it doesn't mean that it's not about race at all. She says, you know, I'm coming into this experience as a white privileged woman and she was coming into the experience as a black woman. And because it was about race for faith, then it's about race, period. And I don't love that. I mean, it just feels like I'm trying to figure like it kind of feels like a cop out, not a cop out. It feels like. I don't know, but like, are you taking that in? And are you understanding why it's about race? Like, it's not just because, like, when you approach situations, it's not, you can't just be like, oh, because this black woman didn't like what I said, or I'm trying to figure out how to say this right. It's like, that you have to understand it's not just because it's about race for her. It's because of your implicit bias and it's because of your learned behavior. And yes, if somebody says it's about race, then it is about race, but you have to understand what you're contributing to the situation that makes it about race because it's not simply because she said it. That's not how it works. It's because there's actual truth behind it. And I think that's what can trip people up sometimes is like, oh, I'm not going to like fall into the, well, quote, I'm putting these in very large quotes. Like, I'm not going to fall into the trap of, of people calling me racist just because they're black. You know, no, like people don't say that shit is racist just because they want to, and they want to make you feel bad. Like there is a very legitimate and probably a few legitimate reasons for that. And that's what you need to tap into and unpack that and not just be like, oh, she said it was about race, so I guess it is. Anyway. Um, so then Tamron says, you grew up in New Orleans, which is pretty diverse, and now you live in LA, which can be described as somewhat woke on some days. So I just can't really understand how somebody at your big age, no, she didn't say that, <laughs> how somebody at your age could not know. And then they bring up the Nazi chic photo that she posted with Kristen and that lady who says she's a comedian. I can't remember her name. She's like the Jen Bunny of, of Vanderpump Rules. Like, I just can't be bothered. Um, 
I thought it was interesting that Kristen didn't get a lot of, um, uh, I don't feel like anybody said anything about what Kristen said, which is that she was wearing a red bandana and like a black shirt and she was calling herself Tupac chic. And I don't feel like anybody even said anything about that. This cast has a really weird relationship to Tupac and I don't get it. Like maybe it's a California thing. I don't know. I don't know why everybody feels the need to have such a close relationship with that man. Like let him go. Just let him be dead. You don't have to bring him up, you know? Um, so Saucy was wearing a, was it like a jacket or something that had like SS on it for Saucy Schroeder, which is not her initials. And she referred to herself as Nazi chic. So um, then she calls her out. So we don't see the picture posted. She does not show it on the show. And Tamron kind of like tries to call her out because she was like, you know, we wanted to have clearance to show the picture, but we couldn't. And I guess I'm a little bit confused about the ownership of the picture. Is it the picture that you posted? And Fossey's like, yeah. She's like, okay, because we weren't allowed to post the picture, which means that Stassi did not want the picture posted. So she didn't let them. Meaning you're trying to make yourself look a little bit better here by not bringing up the picture. You're controlling the situation a bit, but Tam got your ass. And I, I hope everybody heard that. So then Tamron says, like, I'm just really surprised. Like, she keeps bringing this up. Like, I'm just very surprised given your, you know, it's not like you grew up in a small town. You grew up in pretty large towns. You moved to an even bigger city. It's just really surprising to me that, like, did you not know about the history of the Holocaust? Do you not know how messed up it is to refer to yourself as a Nazi? Like, are these jokes that you make with your friends? Like, do you not know how many Jews were murdered at the hands of Nazis? Do you really not know that? And Sassy starts by saying no, and then she's like, well, I do, but like, you know, ugh. <laughs> like there was really no great way to answer it because then you're if you say no then it's like wow I literally don't know anything about World War II and the Holocaust and Nazis and Hitler <laughs> and if you say you do it's like yeah I knew how bad it was and then I said it anyway oh uh, oh uh, <laughs> god so then they bring up um Zossi talking about the Oscars so white situation and I think it's worth noting the fucking Steven from season one and two of Summer House, Steven Twisted T. McGee, was the guest on that particular podcast episode. And he pretty much co-signed everything that she said about, like, why is it always about, like, African-Americans? Like, they're doing these impassioned speeches. And, like, why why is it always about them? He totally agreed. And Stephen McGee, I looked at his um, Instagram like one or two times and he really aligns himself with, ugh, ugh, <laughs> like, mm, 
Mm. Like he loves what what's her face McCain, Megan McCain. Mm mm. Mm mm. It's a good thing he doesn't have a show anymore. So then we, Tamron recites the clip that she said about Oscar so white and. Zossie's like, I I really wanted to address this. Like, it was really important for me because, you know, it was been going through these past few months and learning what black people go through. And I was a Karen. Like, I was a Karen who's basically like, well, what about all lives matter? <laughs> Karen's like, yeah, okay. This, ugh, I can't. Tamron says she's honestly shocked by Zossie's level of ignorance and... Then they do like, okay, so <laughs> Stassi then says, like, I can speak for Black Lives Matter. And Tamron's like, I don't think you can. And she's like, no, I, no, I think I can. And Tamron's like, okay, so moving forward, what are you going to say to those people who obviously felt like it was okay to make these off-color remarks around you and to you, what are you going to say them to them now when they ask why Black Lives Matter? And, you know, she goes through this, like, you know, I've learned in my classes from my diversity coach that Black people have been oppressed for, like, 400 years and that all lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter. And this was, like, <laughs> dog, like, the Billy Madison... Selma crossover that like nobody asked for like what is she doing in these like classes <laughs> did you how you live in New Orleans you don't know about slavery girl your family is probably the descendants of slave owners what do you mean what do you mean <sighs> who do you think her teacher was you think it was like Sean King <laughs> Y'all know Sean King loves a scam. He's probably like, damn, I heard about a diversity coach and I am, as a black white man, going to do it. I'm going to charge her top dollar and then email people and tell them to be part of the movement and donate money to me for this. This Sean King just caught a lick hearing about a diversity coach. Ooh, please don't tell Rachel Dolezal. Oh, Lord. So then <laughs> Tamron... Then ask, like, do you think if, you know, there talks about a new black housewife on New York and Garcelle Bouvet was hired into Beverly Hills, do you think that maybe you were responsible for the changes in diversity within Bravo? And I mean, me, the answer is no, because Garcelle was hired well before Saucy was fired, but... Saucy does say, like, I don't really think it had anything to do with me, but I think it was, like, a necessary change that just needed to happen. Like, I think it's, you know, they're keeping up with the times, basically. And they get into the firing, and Saucy says that there was no, like, conversation to be had. Basically, one of her producers and her lawyer called her that morning, and we're just like, you're fired. She's like... I, I didn't have a chance to say anything to them. And Tamron then closes out on saying, you know, you're used to red carpets and being on television. And I 
now that the checks have stopped coming in, you don't have a podcast, you're not on the show. I imagine you've lost, you know, SpawnCon offers that you've had. I just wonder like how much of your motivation to be on this show and interviewed by me comes from the fact that like you need to have a job (laughs) and you're probably not going to be able to get meetings or have people be interested in you with this hanging over your head. And Saucy says, you know, I just really want to be better for my daughter. And I'm really like taking the time to ask questions to my teacher. How do I approach this kind of stuff with my daughter? How do I, how do I do this? What are the conversations that we should be having in the future? Tamron, much like me, was cracking up. She's like, how did you even find a diversity coach? Like, I've never heard of that in my life. And Saucy's like, well, you know, I just, like, on Google, like, you find everything. And uh, then Tamron just finishes by, oh, she also says, what do you, do you have any interest in going back on Vanderpump? And she's like, no, I think that ship has sailed. And then she goes on to, like, kind of cover for herself and be like, you know, I, I've i really taken stock of where I'm at in my life. And, you know, it really doesn't make sense for me to be on a show where it's all about, like, drinking and partying and stabbing people behind the back and whatnot. It's like, we know damn well that she would be on the show, if the show were even filming right now, that she would have definitely signed on and bow tie. They definitely would have signed on for another season because it's like, girl, come on. Um, then Tamron asks like a final question of, okay, so Jax has also been accused of pointing the finger at Faith. Uh, people have been calling for his firing. Do you believe that he should also be fired? And Saucy's like, well, I don't really want to see any of my friends get fired. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So that was basically the end of the interview. There was, I guess, Kristen had commented on somebody's Instagram to like, clarify and she said the police were not called there was never a police report the police never had her name so she was never in harm's way i understand me speaking up about this is going to create major black backlash but i'm tired of the rumors neither of us are racist 
and have absolutely no hate. So, Saucy, if you hear me, I would suggest that maybe you forward the number of your diversity coach over to one Kristen. I mean, I know t-shirt money probably doesn't go as long as like your podcast and your best-selling book, but I don't know, like maybe y'all can do a Groupon. Maybe this could be like a group Zoom chat because this bitch has been digging her heels in this whole time about how she is not racist and what about cancel culture and what, you know, what about the ramifications of that? And she didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, this is where your diversity teaching might come in is like, correct her when she says shit like this, because it's wrong. And the fact that you were very clearly palling around with her because we see y'all in paparazzi pictures that you guys called them for we know that you hang out with her so teach her your ways something anyway let's move on all right there has appeared to be an update courtesy of the vanderpump rules news hub us weekly Ugh, you guys here's the headline how Stassi Schroeder really felt about her, quote, awkward interview with Tamron Hall. Walking on eggshells. <laughs> Stassi Schroeder found it hard to get through her appearance on the Tamron Hall show in her first interview since being fired from Vanderpump Rules. Stassi felt totally unprepared for the interview, a source exclusively tells Us Weekly. She wasn't in a good mood afterwards and it felt like she was put on the spot. She's built on her brand on being candid and funny, and she feels like afraid to make any wrong comments or jokes and having them come across negatively, which in turn made the interview awkward. The insider adds, she doesn't want to make a wrong move or say anything that could be taken out of context because she's really been taking the time to work on herself. She felt somewhat caught off guard in how the interview went down because she really has been doing her best to learn, educate herself and the best version and be the best version of herself that she can be. A second source explains, producers laid out the segments for Stassi and her team and everything was all set. And then, to everyone's surprise, noted black woman Tamron Hall went rogue and took the interview in a completely different direction. Bullshit. This is the bullshit train is coming in. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Right on time. This is so... Lame. Lame. For you to sit there and be, yes, pretty much every celebrity or any interview that has had on any kind of talk show, there is a pre-interview situation that happens in which the guest is coached or not coached but you know they know heads up what is going to be spoken about before they get on air so to act like Tamron went rogue tells me everything I know and tells me frankly I was right well no my assumption initially was that this was going to be just like a light fluffy whatever Get her, get her back in the good graces of people. She's really learned. She's really taking the time to grow as a human and a racist. And that, like, everything is going to be fine. Ugh. 
now we see that this is obviously what Stassi must have thought as well. Everything was going to be fine, that she was going to be able to say her piece. And why do you need to be funny? What does it have to do? Like, Stassi's built a brand off being funny? What? <laughs> what? Being candid and funny. And she's afraid to make any wrong comments or jokes. Hey, guess what? That interview, there were no space for you to be making jokes about your past racist behavior. Years-long behavior of you being a racist. Where, did, where was the joke going to come in, Stassi CK? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? To act as though... Like, this is all Tamron's fault. This scary black woman came at her and was being so mean. Can you believe how mean she was being to me? Like, I was so caught off guard. Did your diversity coach not tell you anything? That, like, maybe if you interview with a black person, they might want to ask you real questions about your behavior and how you plan on moving forward from that. Nothing Tamron asked was out of line, unacceptable, anything that she should have been caught off guard with. Like, I don't give a fuck that you weren't in a good mood afterward. Like, you weren't in a good mood because you knew that you sounded like a dickhead. But the reason you sound like a dickhead is because of you. Not because of the questions she asked, but because of the answers you gave her. And you know what? You had three months to prepare for this. I don't care if the, you know, they didn't schedule this interview three months ago, but you had three months of supposed alleged preparation via you and all the growth and learning and, and Zoom meetings that you've had with your diversity coach. You should have known. You should have been prepared to answer these questions. And so for it to go from, oh, I don't want to be seen as a the victim and I don't want anybody to think of me that way to now, oh, she was so unprepared and look, she probably like cried after the interview because she knew, you know, like Tamron was so mean to her. How dare she? Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. This is some bullshit. And this is why, <sighs> this is why. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is some this is so stupid. I cannot believe I can believe. I'm not even going to part my lips to say I can't believe. I believe this completely. Here's the thing though. When it comes to quote unquote cancel culture was not a phrase that I can you know, I like to use, but for the sake of people like this who have lost have um, had consequences for their behavior and have lost things and lost their main income and their main source of attention and celebrity. We can use the term that you've been canceled. I, okay. Here, here's the thing for the, what are her friends called? The Khaleesi's or whatever the fuck this is the exact thing that they want to hear. I actually saw somebody comment of like, 
Sassy was trying her hardest, but, like, Tamara just kept making it so hard. Like, she kept just bringing her down and making it hard for her. Like, do you guys know what you sound like when you say things like that? Like, for real? All in all, like, does this really matter? No, because the people who weren't fucking with her were not going to be fucking with her after this interview, more than likely. And the people who do fuck with her are going to be ride or die for her regardless of what bullshit comes out of her mouth at any given moment. And they're going to continue to make excuses for her and continue to coddle this behavior, this behavior that she allegedly doesn't want. But here we go. Um, Two exclusive sources spoke to Us Weekly about how upset she was. For what reason? Exactly. All right, you guys. If I find out anything else, it will it will be catastrophic for our relationship. Can we cut now, please? Can someone give me another beer? Oh. No, we just went through. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's a wrap. All right. I just told her something that's affected our relationship forever. Yes, it will. Yeah. Okay? We've been truthful. Even when I've been accused of all kinds of shit, we've been truthful. Yeah. Okay? All right. Well, I, well, I do appreciate you guys being honest and real about this. And, uh, it's in real life. We can take the microphones off having this. Yeah, I just don't think there's any more in me. I, I never I, really I, wanted I, to have to talk about our business and what we've done in our personal life on camera. Again, the ladies of Potomac have not disappointed us. They bring it to us every ball. And join with me today is the incredible Ray Sani. Hi. Hi. I haven't been called incredible before. Uh, that's nice. Oh. <laughs> that would be the first of many. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, apologies. I was screaming at my TV last night for a bunch of things. So yeah. my voice might go in and out. Okay. No problem. <laughs> But I think we're mostly fine. But, you know, between Potomac and 90 Day Fiance last night, you know. A mess. A um, real, real mess. I haven't even watched 90 Day yet, but I, I've seen things and I've heard things. So <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, just I know that's not what we're doing today, but I feel insane because I I always hate people before other people do it's relevant to Potomac as well because I have hated Mo not hate I don't hate these people I've disliked Monique Steez from the beginning yeah even though Giselle was being shady that first interaction but I think the way Monique handled that season going forward made me think she sucks then the season that you know her drunk driving stuff um uh, that season with Ashley, I tried to like her because I did think Ashley was being messy. But then I was like, nah, this girl fucking sucks. She did drunk drive, just admit it. Although I understand why you wouldn't on national television. That could right. be a leak. <laughs> but anyway, on 90 Day Fiance, Sinjin has fucking sucked the whole time. I don't get why anybody likes him. Anyway, going forward. You you have been very outspoken about this. And, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happened. Nothing different happened. I'm just okay. telling nobody <laughs> saying it. <laughs> and that, that's a completely fair assessment to make. Um, yeah, you have been very adamant about your dislike of Monique, especially when it comes to Monique versus Candace. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great, this episode is a great example of that. 
Yes, 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 yes. From, from uh, I've not, I've not quite liked Monique just in general because Monique defines herself in relation to other people. If we're trying to psychoanalyze this thing, because I don't have real life friends anymore. Um, <laughs> what, um, what, what, what in particular like rubs you the wrong way about Monique? Do you just feel like she's fake? I don't think it's fake because I don't think anyone who wants to present well is necessarily fake for that, right? We all want to be our right. best self. I think my issue with her is that not only does she uh, want to present well, she then weaponizes that against other people, right? So it won't be, like even for example, take the name of her business, not for lazy moms. Yeah. Why, like, why do you have to, first of, all, first of all, it's very stupid, in my opinion, to name your business in a negative, right? You should say what your right. business is for, not what your business doesn't do, which is a separate business sense issue. But yeah. the framing is so poor because why is it that women who don't do what Monique is about to prescribe on her blog or, you know, live the way that Monique lives are lazy moms? Right. That's a very great point. She, she immediately, like what she does is she decides that certain uh, certain traits or, or behaviors are valuable and people who don't uh, behave in accordance with that are not valuable. And, you know, I remember the reason I was really turned off by her the first season is that I, like I said before, Giselle was trying to be shady at their first interaction, but you know, the whole, like I have four homes and she loves to announce what Chris's money, not hers, right. right. Brings her, you know what I mean? Or even just like, like the way she pushed up on Sharice's friendship or whatever, like yeah. even this season or, or my biggest pet peeve from Monito was her bringing Sherman's ex-wife on camera to yeah. uh, embarrass Giselle's boyfriend because nobody does anything to Monique's husband, right? And Monique's whole thing is don't talk about the marriages. Don't talk about the marriages. Don't talk about this. So why mm -hmm. do I get to bring Sherman's ex-wife to re to reveal his uh, prostitutes or solicitation arrest, and I'm still better? That's insane to me. You went super low blow, but you love to carry as if you're the the one who always takes the high road, or that you're the one better off. I mean, even the yeah. argument she was having with Chris's mom. Chris's mom is disrespectful, but maybe because I'm not married and I'm not a wife in the traditional sense that, or I never want to be the wife in the traditional sense that Monique is. She's very proud of being a wife, very proud of being a mom, except for it's very clear she's not. And she's very unhappy in her role in that marriage. But it's right. just, but like I, I would not have reacted to Chris's parents that way. Like it just... I just think she's, I don't, I don't think much of her. And I just don't think she's very smart. And I think she's immature. There's a lot of like rock throwing and then hand hiding with her. 
And she always does it on like a technicality. It would be like, like this incident with the text messages. Remember at last reunion? I don't remember. Uh -huh. I don't remember exactly what she said when, uh, was it Candace or Ashley who kept trying to be like, but you violated my privacy. And she kept being like, no, it's different. It's different. And I'm like, the only reason you think it's different is because you did it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, she needs to be more honest, which is, you brought up a great point. Is like, obviously her relationship is not what she wants us to believe it is. And it's clear that she's like, it's, the cracks are getting bigger and bigger and she's having a hard time dealing with that because once you, well, I mean, I have to imagine from like her mindset, it's like, okay, once it's revealed that my relationship is not as all it's cracked up to be, then like, what do I have? Right. But that's why you should not be defining yourself in relation to other people. Your existence yeah. shouldn't be that you're not a lazy mom like those other bitches. Your existence should be, I'm a dope person who is a mom, you know? Right. And the same with like, um, you know, getting like, if you didn't want another baby, you shouldn't have had one. And I don't mean that to say her baby shouldn't exist. I just think that she acquiesced when maybe she didn't want to because of her yeah. role as a wife, her role as a mother. And she probably didn't want that. Who knows? She might even be dealing with postpartum depression. Her baby on the show is only like 10 months old, nine months old. Mm. Um, but like when there was that scene when they were at the lake house where Chris calls and tells Monique that, she, that he's not going to grill. And she was disappointed. And for me, I understood exactly why she was disappointed. It's like, hey, it's my mm -hmm. birthday weekend. Here's my, here's, I, I have my coworkers here with me at the lake house. We're shooting this, whatever. Like, can you for one day be about me? And even if you don't want to, even if you don't get to talk to the other men because you're grilling, can you do that for your wife one time? Yeah. And he, exactly. he didn't. And he showed up and humiliated her in front of her friends. With that whole pretending to suck the Heineken bottles of dick or whatever. Right. And yeah. With on camera talking about how she's insufficient with the sex to Chris and uh and what other husband was there? Oh, um Wendy's Eddie. husband. And yeah. they both were smart enough not to to say anything, you know, mm -hmm. that disrespect their wife. So like I get that. I get everything she was saying in that moment with uh the Chris and the grill. But instead of acknowledging that she's upset about that and compartmentalizing it. Her whole mood shifted and she started picking on Candace. Right. And, and I remember at one point she got, I don't remember what incited it, but there was a confessional moment where she goes, okay, I'll just put all those feelings in that box and put Chris's yep. box on the shelf next to Candace. And I said, why the fuck? is your coworker, who's not even your best friend, on the same emotional back shelf as, as your husband. That right. is insane. That is yeah. actually insane. So yeah. it's just transference of anger because, like you said, she'd have to acknowledge that out, if there are cracks in that relationship, she doesn't have an identity. Because she's been Chris's wife for what? I don't know, maybe eight or nine years at this point. And she mm -hmm. married relatively young, because I think Monique is only like 35 or 36. 36. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
yeah, she probably doesn't know who she is without being that man's wife, and it's freaking her out. But bitch, that's what therapy's for—not like beating up your coworkers. <laughs> I think it should be mandatory for any athlete's wife to go to therapy because you're gonna need it eventually. You're gonna need so much of it. I mean, when uh, when Robin was talking about how Juan even though that financial situation and the suicide of their friend and business manager was like terrible, obviously. When she talked about Juan being an athlete and how everyone caters him and Juan is so fine, so I bet they was like triple catering to that. Right. And then, um, but she said Juan needed to be humbled and losing the money humbled them. But Mm -hmm. Chris looks like someone who invested well. I read recently that he made $40 million over the course of his football career. Yeah, that's not like he wasn't making Croy Beerman money, and that's when I see a football player on Housewives, I'm like, how much money did he really get? Because I'm I'm clouded by the Croy Beerman of it all, but <laughs> hella money. <laughs> and Chris money. Is one of them. But also, Chris Chris Samuels is like, from what I understand, uh, quite good at what his position was. Whereas, like with Juan, he was still relatively good, but Juan was overhyped and then ended up maybe not being a bust but he ended up being a disappointment so there were lots of things to humble Juan Dixon that don't exist to humble Chris Samuels you know right yeah yeah and Uh Robin doesn't seem like the type I know people don't like that marriage I fucking love them I love Robin and I love I'm I'm rooting for Juan and Robin maybe I don't love Juan but like Uh uh Robin doesn't strike me as someone who will accept as much as Monique does because I don't think Robin thinks it's her role to do the things that Monique does. I think Robin just likes her man to a point. So she's willing to accept, you know, what he's provided her thus far. But I don't think Robin is sitting there being like, I'm in the home because it is my wifely duties and I'm a good wife and not for lazy Mm -hmm. mom. Robin's a girl who fell for a fine-ass dude, and he's probably got good dick. Let's be real. Yeah, she really seems to like him, and they really seem like when we see them, like, get along with each other, there's that, like, friendship and familiarity between Robin and Juan that is really, like, something that I find, you know, hashtag relationship goals, if you will. Yes, I think they're cute, Um, and I'm not the the kind of person who thinks that it's, like, oh, a man should get all this extra, excuse me, time to... uh, become a better man. I hate that narrative. Oh, you know, I had to raise him. We, I grew him up. He finally changed. Like, I hate that. But yep. if it's going to happen, like, I'm glad it's happening for her because it's clearly what she wants. And I trust Giselle's judgment on this. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't trust Giselle's judgment on herself. But I, okay. think I, I trust Giselle's judgment on Robin because I don't think uh, Robin, uh, Giselle would let somebody violate her friend. That's that's a good point. That's a very good point. It's the Chloe Kardashian relationship guide. It's like, I'm not going to do what you're going to be doing, but I do trust that Chloe wants her friends to be in the right position. Yes, exactly. Although I don't <laughs> watch the Kardashians, so I can't necessarily agree with you, but I think I agree with you. You sounded well, confident saying it. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, let's start with the episode. It gets we start with like a flash forward and rewind scene, and we get like little snippets of what people are saying about 
Michael and Ashley and Candace <laughs> and Monique. And then we get the like screen thing one week earlier. We start off with Candace doing a go-go remix to the love song that she basically forced her wedding guests to listen to about Chris. <laughs> like, do people do remixes to songs that nobody has heard of? Uh, Candace. <laughs> That's who. Candace Dillard, okay? Right. Okay. Like, I mean, the go-go remix seemed fine. I would listen to that at a brunch. I love that it's the go-go remix. She's like, not only am I going to involve everybody who didn't want to be involved in my marriage song, but I'm going to DCify it. It's going to be a go-go version, okay? Like, the Maryland DMV area is going to get this remix. I mean, it sounded a lot better than the original version. Well, that's because Candace... (laughs) I'm sorry, I just started laughing at at the thought of her thinking she can sing. It's so funny. It's like I she reminds me of like when I was in sixth grade and I joined the chorus and I could hold a note, you know, and right. then I suddenly thought I deserved solos. And it's like uh, you could hold a note, bitch. Why are you aggressing us? With with all of these happy birthday solos, <laughs> this terrible song about your your, your marriage. <laughs> Just, I I I tweeted last night that uh, Candace's voice in the studio reminds me of like when a '90s R&B girl group finally lets the girl who uh-huh. never gets the solo get a solo. Right. <laughs> the Michelle Williams go-go yeah, remake. Exactly. <laughs> Michelle Williams at the end of Survivor or like Todd <laughs> from SDWV on You're the One. You know what I mean? Or is it Lily? Whichever. Because Coco was the one who sang all the time. And I think right. Taj got to do on that song uh, uh, uh. And that's what Candace be doing. <laughs> right. When they let Tiny sing. Oh my gosh. Um so she and Chris sit down in the studio and Candace says basically like, I'm good on Monique. I'm officially done. She calls her plastic. Which was interesting. <laughs> um, and Chris is like, is she fine. plastic? Do you agree with that assessment? I don't really know what that means, but sure. She's trying to say she's fake, right? But I don't. Yes, so. <laughs> Do I, I mean, you asked me this earlier, and I don't think Monique is fake. Because I don't think it's malicious. Right. I think uh, she's holding it all together. She's trying to hold it all together. And it's getting rough. But, yeah, I mean, the way she manifests her anger towards her relationship is not healthy nor fun. No. Absolutely not. But she did do Candace dirty, and she was very hyped to be in the in crowd. That That's something about her. Maybe mm-hmm. that is fake. I don't know. But she was so gleeful to be on the winning team with Giselle and Robin for, like, the beginning. And I'm like, what? And and I've noticed that she's done that in the past, where she, like, linked up with Sharice, you know? And because right. Sharice had the uh, charity con- connects or whatever, and even though she'd been fired from the show... She seems to be very popping in Potomac. Uh, yeah. So what do you think about the rumors with the trainer? 
I don't think she slept with the trainer. I don't think Monique is that stupid. And I think she's too, um, she's too invested in being a good wife to slip like that. Um, maybe she yeah. spent too much time with him. There are emotional affairs and you don't die when you get married. Maybe she had a crush. But I don't think she actually slept with that man. I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, but I also I feel like... Chris is misogynistic enough or possessive enough to, if his wife is with an attractive man in public, he would freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you I, Oh, that I just don't believe that she would just be out in public with him being messy for everybody to see. Yes. She's too image concerned. She's like yeah. always trying to present as, as perfect as possible. I don't see her slipping up that bad. And I don't see her disrespecting her husband that way. Yeah, especially on multiple occasions, as Giselle has said. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. Like, the attention, maybe he was flirting with her. Maybe if he's a personal trainer, I imagine he looks different from her husband. And, yeah. um, you know, I like, I'm if I were 35 and I just had a baby and, you know, my husband doesn't value me the way I'd like to, if a handsome guy who's focused on my self-improvement, paid or not, wanted to hang out with me, I probably would take it. Obviously, I'm doing a lot of speculation, but I don't think she cheated. Absolutely not. I, I fully agree. Um, and I think Sharice, well, we know Sharice is messy. I never really cared for her. I hated her from the second we met her, <laughs> but everybody <laughs> did. So I'm good with that. She's weird, too. It's like, it's not even that. I know, she's weird. She's like, weird. I, You're so right. She's weird. And she's always hovering. Do you, mm-hmm. like, she's like one of those people who, if you walk into a party, she's always looking to see who's talking to whom about what. Even if she's like, okay. It's like she wants to be in control of, you know, what things are happening. Like, she, she wants to be she wants to maneuver a lot i mean how are you this it's very brandy glanville but less of a mess which is like how are you still involved in the goings on of this show that fired you seasons ago (laughs) right some weird she just gives me weird vibes i don't know in that champagne room I don't know. It was such a poor investment. Who's going to buy that house? Who is going to buy that house? When are you trying to split? (laughs) No idea. No idea. Stupid. Stupid. So then we get... I mean, I feel like there were several scenes of the episode. But this is the first and probably most dynamic. And I have a lot of questions for you about Michael and Ashley. So they go to eat. And we see all these flashbacks of, like, Ashley getting the text messages over at the lake house. And she tells us that last night, while she was pumping baby Michael, Dean, she got texts from Robin and Monique that linked her to that Gossip in the City article, the picture of uh, Michael in his underoos. And she says, I called him and I said, get your ass back home right now. He walked through the door, sat on the couch, and allegedly told her what happened. He told her his version of what happened. <clears throat> she said she was really upset, but she didn't want to fight in front of Dean, so they decided to film the scene in a restaurant, I guess. So she... can fight in public? Right. <laughs> this was very weird. And I wonder what, what Ashley said to Michael to get him to film this scene. 
So I think that this whole storyline is fake. And I don't, I never, because I never want to break the fourth wall for myself. I never want to be like, oh yeah. I don't believe like Kenya Moore paid Walter to be her boyfriend that first season, right? Even Mm -hmm. if everyone else does, I just refuse. But this one feels so fake and so disrespectful, trying to insult my intelligence. I really (laughs) think this storyline is something they planted to distract from the groping allegation. There's something going on. There's a lot of, I think there are a lot of things being hidden here and I don't get it like to me there have been a lot of you know like oh latent homophobic claims being made on different latent we got blatant (laughs) (laughs) well i'm talking about like just across the housewives franchise but but it's blatant with them girls yeah yeah. And Atlanta too. I was so nervous that it was only the black franchises who were doing it. But then mm-hmm. thankfully Orange County did it with Tamara's husband. And I was like, right. we aren't the only terrible ones. <laughs> um, so I just, okay. So you think it's, what do you think is, what do you think their arrangement, what do you think their relationship is? I won't call it an arrangement. Okay. I think that Ashley does love Michael Darby, right? I think that, you know, it's not far-fetched to me that a beautiful, attractive young woman who came from literally nothing, like absolutely dirt poor, uh, who then becomes like a very beautiful Miss DC pageant girl and um, encounters a businessman at her place of work and falls in love with him and, and, you know, marries him. Like, it, I don't think it's like gold digger shit, but I think it's, trophy wife shit, which I'm not opposed to. And I'm not opposed to gold digger shit either. I think over the course of their relationship, he came to undervalue her because that's always what happens in dynamics like that. An older man gets a person that is out of their league, but it's because of their access to wealth and power. And so they don't value that person. And we saw that in, in the beginning of the show. Like that was season one, season two shit. I mean, the way he talked to her when they were renegotiating their pre- prenup was fucking insane um, on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he talked about her mother and all of that. I don't think Ashley puts up with humiliation like that if she doesn't love him. I don't know what their arrangements are in terms of their sexual um activity i feel like uh ashley let us in slightly i do think that they did threesomes but i also just think personally that their marriage might be open and that it's not the kind of thing that you want to say on national television um especially for michael being a 70 something did you know he's 70 something ew is he He's like 71 or something crazy. But like if you're a 70 something Australian man and Australia is very like cat, like uh, homophobic, relatively speaking um, to the U S. So if you're a 70 something guy from a very homophobic place, like, like Australia and you know, you have like, queer desires or you have fluid sexuality and you're a businessman on national TV. I can't imagine that he like wants that version of the story about him out there. Um, And so I think that they're doing a lot of like 
talking around it, dancing around it. I do think that he's a groper. I believe all of those allegations. I think yeah. that Ashley agreed to ha to protect him in exchange for her baby. And I don't think it's an accident that uh, after this like humiliation or whatever that they're going through, she's pregnant again. I agreed. And you brought a great, the exact word I was going to use. There's a protection that Ashley's giving to Michael that I would like to unpack a little bit more. I'd like to see more of. Also, we have to remember, was it last season or two seasons ago where Ashley was trying to reach out to her father? Yeah, it was last season. Yeah, she went up to his door and he like closed the door on her. And she did admit that like said, a lot of... Stated it plain. She had daddy yeah. issues. Yeah. Yeah. And that w informed a lot of her attraction to Michael. Yeah. Um, I think she genuinely loves him. I think in some way he loves her, but I don't think he respects her. Clearly not. I mean, he plays the fuck out of her every season. And it was, it was crazy. Like, I do think he's... I think... Okay. I think he is embarrassing her because I think their relationship is open, but she's like, don't embarrass me. And yeah. so maybe I don't think it's completely false, uh, this storyline, but I do think that he's allowing himself to be sloppy so people will talk about other things. And I don't know how, how active a part of that uh, Ashley is, but I know that she's, I feel like she's a part of the protection. Uh, I don't know in, in, in what sense, but either way, even if it's completely fake, the script he's giving himself is still very disrespectful to his wife because even in that conversation, he kind of low key flipped it. Like, Oh, since we had the baby that, and in parenthetical, you wanted and I didn't. We are not intimate anymore. So, of course, I went craving elsewhere. That was the undercurrent in the conversation that I heard. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, I mean, what? <laughs> like, I could not believe that he would have the nerve to be like, oh, well, we haven't really been intimate. So, I've been craving it elsewhere. Like, I will throw this Pacifico beer in your face right now. Like, how? <laughs> Dare you? How dare he even say shit like that? And this isn't his first kid, right? Michael has kids from previous marriages. Yeah, he's got like adult children. Yes. So it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what he said was that Michael met this girl at a strip club. He was out with, the, with his coworkers, boys, whoever. They went to the MGM. The strippers followed him there. One of the girls asked if he wanted to go to a hotel. We've got clip video footage of all of this shit of him That's talking why I to her. Because it was the video, all of it, of every moment. Every moment of him walking into the hotel, then talking at the it. bar. He used camera. Ugh. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe Ashley's not in on the plant, but I, I definitely think Michael is creating a storyline there's something that he's trying to hide, but it's like something runs real deep and dark because if this is how you're trying to make up for what you don't want people to know, then like <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> what's really happening here? 
Um, but he also has like a very, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know him, but he has a very sinister side. Do yeah. you, like, do you remember like how, when he was like at last season's reunion, how he was like hovering in that like balcony area? When oh my they, God, yes. <laughs> and he like, in my opinion, seemed to be trying to intimidate Karen and Giselle. Uh-huh. And, you know, even when like, he and Ashley were renegotiating on camera her prenup. When she started to make valid points, his eyes got really dark and he told them to cut the cameras. He wasn't having that conversation on camera. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. And he, he just kind of, I don't know, he just seems, the way he would talk to and about her mother, I don't know. He just seems like there's a very sinister man under there. Completely. Completely. Um, <clears throat> Ashley very casually asked about like the text that Candace got saying that he had that he told somebody that he had a bi- boyfriend and a wife. She's <laughs> like, "Is that true? Did you say that?" He's like, "No." And I feel like she just let that slide. And okay, fine. Um, then Ashley kind of like outs like, you know, on the one hand, we're not a very traditional couple, and if there was a girl who liked me and I liked the girl, then we would do whatever. So, you know, that's the kind of the way we've operated in the past, but I'm not really trying to do that anymore. And I'm also very prepared to leave you. I I don't buy it for a fucking second. She ain't prepared to leave shit. <laughs> I mean, clearly not. Um, I was talking to the Instagram account, Oh No Bravo, and she said that that pregnancy announcement was a statement. And it was very true. Like, this is like, I'm going to stay in this relationship. Yeah, we riding and dying together. And they definitely going to die because ain't nothing fun about that ride. Like, I don't know, like, uh, I, again, I'm not a wife. And I got, like, God keep it from me that I have to be that kind of wife where we having babies to show that I stand by my, at the very least, cheap cheating and at worst sexually assaulting groping ass man right i just embarrassment is my biggest fear i'm a prideful nigerian woman and Mm -hmm. like um you're not gonna be humiliating me on national tv and then in the off season like what the fuck (laughs) over and over and over again. I'm thinking my mother. That would have been it for me. If you told me that you didn't want to have a child with me because you've seen the way my mother behaves and you think that I would be a poor mother because of it, Girl. First of all, there would have been dirty slaps on national TV. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Domestic violence out this bitch, you know? <laughs> and, then, and then we would never talk again. We would never talk again. I don't care what kind of person my mother is. You don't talk to me about her like that. Huh? And two, not on national television. And three, so now you're not going to give me the child you promised me when we got married because my mom is an insufficient woman. Fuck you. Fuck you and forever. And I, and I feel like I don't, I don't want to say Michael's racist, but I feel like the disrespect is like from an older white man to a poor black woman that way. I did not like it. It doesn't look right. It really, and it doesn't feel right. And it certainly doesn't sound right. 
I mean, that is how do you have sex with a person who says that to you afterwards? Like, I don't know. National TV at that. Never again. The shop is. I could never do it. I could never do it. Never. Um, So as soon as Ashley starts bringing up the fact that like she will leave this relationship, Michael's like, cut the cameras dead ass. He. So he um has a producer come over. I think his name was James, and he's that like, I don't want to do you. That didn't feel fake to you. And where did James come from? It's like he was upstairs or something. Where was he? Like he just came out of nowhere and it felt weird. That that part in particular felt very weird. Um, but here's why it felt weird to me because I know that Michael was, if you believe this scenario, in a having like a moment of embarrassment and contrition. But if I'm, if, if I know that my wife and I have a really big thing to discuss, yes, and we purposely didn't have the argument at home in front of our child, we waited to go to a public restaurant where there would be cameras shooting. Mm. You have to understand, you have to be expecting, if this moment is real, you have to be expecting that Ashley would be mad enough at you to suggest leaving the relationship, right? So how could it have been such a surprise and off guard moment that we have to suddenly cut the cameras when you are talking about the way you violated her relationship, y'all's relationship? That that seemed crazy to me. And two, if he didn't want to be on camera, why didn't he take off the mic, storm out the restaurant? Why were we silent? We were calmly discussing and being like cajoled by the production, the producer. I don't buy it for a second. It, that was, yeah, you're making very good points. Very good points. It was just like, you know, this is a very real conversation. Why would you say that? In the midst, it just seems crazy to be like hyper aware of the cameras in that way when this was a conversation you chose to have on camera. It just didn't sit right with me. I don't know. I just don't, I didn't believe it. And yeah, also, it, like, who introduced like the way that she introduced a certain? I keep cutting you off. I apologize. You're fine. <laughs> uh, but the um, the way that she even introduced. Uh, the uh, notion of their like threesomes seemed like rehearsed. It's like, well, you know, we don't have a traditional marriage. Because if I was talking to my husband about threesomes that we were having, I'd be like, now, you know, if a bitch is fine, we smash them together. I used to do that with you, but I don't feel like doing that shit no more. But, well, we used to have a very traditional... Ashley is not somebody who doesn't know how to speak. Ashley's not somebody who has a problem being blunt. She's never been. So why are we suddenly people who speak like this about the the queer sex that we have? Like, that seems silly to me. That's exactly what I was going to say. When, as soon as she started saying that, it felt like she was trying to lead a conversation and also protect him by being like, I'm the one who likes other women and I am the one who introduces this into our relationship and you just go along with it. And then Michael said something like, well, the fun's over. Like, oh, shit, I didn't even catch that. For real? <laughs> yeah, he said, fun's over. 
And oh, when she said she don't feel like having threesomes anymore. Yeah. What yeah. a fucking loser. I'm so sorry. <laughs> if that is not scripted, you're a fucking loser. Here we are having to have a conversation about the ways you disrespect me by stepping outside our marriage and getting caught. And I tell you, one, that whole excuse she gave Giselle with the fucking, oh, you know, he used to go to strip clubs and I said, don't do it when we're pregnant. First, mm -hmm. the fact that he violated that, if that was the stipulations that you had, is absurd, right? And then now we're in a postpartum situation and you're claiming that, uh, oh, you know, your your needs aren't being met after I just exploded my body with your baby. And then, mm -hmm. like, and then on top of that, I'm telling you that generally speaking, going forward, I don't want to do threesomes no more. And we're in a conversation about your quote unquote cheating and you're going to have the audacity to say the fun is over. What a fucking loser. <laughs> right. That part really, that, that really pissed me off. Like, how dare you? Oh how absolutely God. dare you? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> you have every right to be. Because, like, even if it's even if it's scripted, the monologues he's writing for himself are still disrespectful and absurd. And they point the finger right back at Ashley and all of her yeah. not wrongdoings, but just all like the way you authentic. It's bullshit. It's just bullshit. I, I ugh, he's sick, and he's too old to be saying shit like that. And yeah, like, why are you seventy something still like? I don't know. Men and their libidos are a thing I'll never understand. Let me look up exactly how old he is. Because I remember being like, holy shit, how old is he? I remember being like, holy shit. Because I thought he was like maybe 61, you know, like my dad's age. But he's 74. Get the fuck out of here. Ew. Look, November 1st, 1945. Holy shit. He graduated from college in 1962. I, I gotta go. <laughs> I can't. What? That's. I didn't expect. Wow. Oh, see, look. Here we go. First of all, I didn't know that he was like a political operative back in Australia. Look at this. Look at this. He has a whole fucking Wikipedia page. Check this out. Oh. Wow. Oh, That's wait. Maybe it's a different guy. <laughs> Is it? No, maybe this is a different guy. Maybe the, maybe there are tons. Well, Michael Darby could be. Mm, now my brain is broken. <laughs> Let me see. How old is he? Oh, it was a age difference. So he's in his 60s. Okay, got it. Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I was like, mm, he don't look like nobody's 74. Got it. Okay, well, still. Um, so brief I mean this scene was boring Monique going to the not for knit lazy mom's office and they're drinking champagne and wondering why they're so over budget and <laughs> <laughs> here's an expensive drink that we don't need to have in a workplace why are we out of over budget <laughs> cheers cheers y'all it was I mean speaking of in being embarrassed Monique's live podcast taping that she is clearly promoting with having the other housewives there. Yeah. Only they're not sold. being paid, right? I can't imagine. She yeah. didn't have the budget for it, <laughs> frankly. No. Um, only sold 20 out of the 300 tickets that they had available. Which is hysterical 
to me. So funny. <laughs> sad. So sad and funny. You and have I'm a national to... platform. Yeah? Thank you have you. a national platform. Let me go look on Twitter, see how many people she got following her. Because that is absolutely fucking absurd. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, also, her Twitter handle is I am Mrs. Samuels. If if we're, you know, since we're talking about, like, how she defines herself in relation to her husband, it's like, mine would be Monique Samuels, not I am Mrs. Samuels. (laughs) Anyway. Official Monique Samuels something. Wait, time out. Time out. You ready? What? Monique Samuels, who's been on national TV for three, uh, three seasons, okay, uh-huh. only has 76,000 followers. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> well, looking. I got to go see her Instagram. Oh, that might explain cool. some things. That might explain things. Um, I, how was she spending so much money on her podcast? As people who have podcasts, I need to know the logistics of things. Like, are you, who are you paying for your studio time? Did you buy a studio? What are your salaries for your staff? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. What are you paying them? Wow. That's a lot of money. Because later she says it's like 200 G's that she spent. Yes, but she said it's that like there were startup costs because I was like I've done live podcasts I have hosted live my podcast did a live podcast it didn't cost me any more than a hundred bucks and like I obviously didn't have to rent out a super big venue but there's no venue that anybody would pay two hundred thousand dollars for no not a chance on Instagram, she only has 450K followers. This is a person who's been on national TV for three seasons, at least. That's wild. And she's active on social media, too. Yes. And That's she has stands. She has hardcore stands, too. They be in your mentions if you say anything about money. <laughs> she, that's wild. 20, oof. I could easily sell 20 tickets to something. Yes, right now, you and I, look, people, we don't even have a show, but this conversation, you and I, four people just bought tickets. Guaranteed, guaranteed. So that was really it. I mean, boring. Then we get Giselle and her, like, pleather peplum top and her Jeffrey Dahmer glasses going shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I have this, like, running commentary of, like, what the fuck is Giselle wearing? I don't get it. Oh, this is my theory, and I've known it. I, I've decided, I decided a couple years ago, besides Giselle, but it applies to Giselle. Women from Houston can't dress. I mean... They so. just can't help themselves, because even the black women from Houston, because there's just something so Texas that infiltrates everything... That you can't shake it off. You know? It's like very tacky, very gaudy. Like, my theory works with uh, Beyonce, Beyonce's mama. uh, Megan Thee Stallion. I love those women down, but they cannot put together an outfit without a tacky fabric or body colors. (laughs) 
<laughs> Shout out to House of Darion. You're absolutely uh, right. Hello, people. People are not brave enough to say it, but Beyonce couldn't find her way around an outfit until maybe 2007. 2017, maybe, I would say. <laughs> your, your Houston theory might be correct. You've, you've really touched on something here. Yeah. Oh, wow. Robin's like, are those prescription glasses? Because she shows up. <laughs> and this is why Robin's so vital to the show. She doesn't say much, but you know what? She makes it count. See, um, um, I have a theory about Robin's essential place in the Housewives universe. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, one, so are you a sports fan at all? No, but I, I can pick, I can figure things out. Okay, sure. I'm a big basketball person because the men are lean and hot. And um, so the... On a team, you'll have somebody who's called the glue guy, right? Usually a white person if it's basketball, where they're the person who isn't very flashy, splashy. They come into the game and you don't see exactly what they're doing, but everything they do is so important in setting up the other pieces on the court. Sure. And I feel like Robin is Potomac's glue guy. And, um, you know, she's always running amazing defense she's always making sure that the big players are in position to play so for example like robin is gonna tag along with giselle to make uh fun of karen's empty house right mm -hmm. but she's also gonna do the work to make sure that giselle and karen don't actually fall out in real life or like um and I think this is the most vital role that Robin plays. My theory is that without uh, I, without Eileen, Lisa Rinna jumped out the fucking window. <laughs> yep. And I think that, you, you know, I love, Giselle is my top three housewife of all time, but mm -hmm. I know just how messy and tr troublesome and problematic she can be. And I think that if Robin wasn't around to reel her in, Giselle would be a fucking monster. Like, even when she, like, wasn't, like, she yelled at Monique at uh, Robin's open house, and then was barely able to like apologize, but seeing that she had hurt her friend's feelings made her calm down and genuinely apologize. I don't know that without Robin on the show, Giselle would even humble herself the little she has. I agree. She's, she's a lot like Candy for me. Like I'm very defensive of Candy because I just feel like she's very necessary to the process. She's very, yes, the same. You're so right. But she doesn't have the power on the cast the way Candy does because Candy's the richest and the most famous. So right. Candy sort of, they defer to Candy. I think if Robin had more money, they'd probably defer to her more. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So they go sit down and Robin basically <laughs> tells Giselle about like what happened after she left and after she left the lake house and she says, you know, Monique like went off about the fire pit when clearly Candace had all the right in the world. Like it was completely fine that Candace would set Ashley aside 
and now you're getting hype over some marshmallows. Like, this was such a stupid thing for you to be getting upset about, Monique. Um, and then <laughs> she tells how she was talking to Sharice about the Michael article, and she actually sent the article to Ashley instead of Sharice, which was so funny to me. Mm. Um, but then she had to clean it up real quick, baby. Like, oh, well, what do you want us to say? What do you want us to do about this? Which was smart. <laughs> Real That's smart cool. of her. Brilliant. Um, Giselle then says, you know what? Honestly, I'm grateful that me and uh, Candace talked to Ashley about the text messages. So she wasn't completely caught off guard about that article. And Giselle says she's planning a wine tasting. And she's like, do you think everybody's going to act a fool? And Robin's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. No. And that's why we need Robin. Robin stays on the wrong side of history, and that's. Well, I don't think she was on the wrong side of history. I don't think she was on the wrong side of history. <laughs> I think I think Robin was like, "Nah, bring them bitches together at the wine tasting." <laughs> but we have to look like we had perfectly good intentions. <laughs> that is fair. Oh my gosh! So we got our first scene with Wendy and Eddie. <sighs> they take. How do you feel as a Nigerian American about Wendy? Um, I, so two things. I was so hyped to root for Wendy when I found out we got a, we got a Nigerian woman, but she does a lot of things that a lot of Nigerian women do that I do not like. Mm -hmm. So she triggers me a little bit. Um, Nigerian women are very like Austin, Nigerian people are like an ostentatious, proud people. You know what I mean? Like, it's very, uh, I'm a boss, and I'm going to let you the fuck know, you know, right. at every opportunity. And Wendy's not from the same tribe I am. I, I would argue that my tribe is even more braggadocious and ostentatious and whatever. But my parents didn't raise us that way. We were very, like, I'm a tomboy. My sisters are, like, big, you know, makeup artist or whatever but that's like a self-discovery thing she leaned into as an adult like we're all tomboys and you know didn't dress flashy or whatever and I'm I am relatively accomplished that felt weird coming out of my mouth but I'm an accomplished person but I'm not somebody who uh you know throws it in everybody's face you know what Wendy was saying about how like um your uh, the expectations for you are like doctors and lawyers and stuff that is true um but my parents didn't force it upon me in the same way so you know like i'm not somebody who's so like well also i don't have four degrees i'm a princeton dropout but like uh i wasn't raised to throw shit like that in people's faces and so right. like wendy clearly was <laughs> and i don't understand why when I'm telling you that you're disrespecting me when you're talking about the way I parented my child or pressing me over an issue that you have with Monique and not me, why we have to mention your four degrees, you know? <laughs> or, or like she dresses in a very look at me kind of way. Mm -hmm. you know? It's very like loud and tacky in my opinion. Although I don't think Nigerian women are tacky. I just think that the loud and me, me, me kind of way that Wendy dresses is like obvious. And I think that uh, she is tacky, but I think that that's like first season <laughs> woes when you haven't seen what you look like on TV yet. I think yeah. 
will be stunning next season. Um, but I don't like her for those like Nigerian stereotypical reasons I just outlined. But I also think so far she's been a whack housewife to me, in my opinion. I don't see what other people see just yet. I hope that I do eventually. She does give good confessional, but I just think that the way she inserts herself into conversations isn't impressive or interesting. I feel about Wendy the way Karen feels about Wendy. Fair. I think that's very fair. I don't, I appreciate that she goes for it, but I don't like her reasoning behind it. And I don't like, like, there was no reason for you to go after Ashley for bringing Dean to the lake house. And it's not her house. And even if you had a problem, and even if you had a problem, why are you presenting it like that? Right. Yeah. It, it's, it was real weird. And I don't like her. She seems to want to be shady towards Karen because she feels like Karen didn't recognize her or acknowledge her. Yes. The way she feels is appropriate but like why do you keep making jabs about her and Ray's sex life like yeah the, the math doesn't add up to me and and also just like why do like if somebody's unimpressed with me and I think that they should be impressed with me and they're not then fuck them like like fuck them mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be you only have one or two times to front like you don't know me or disrespect me and then I'm going to keep trying to be your friend. Absolutely not. So this whole like, um, Karen, we're on the same board. Okay. So you knew Karen was on the board that you're on before you came on the show. And the first time Karen fronted like she didn't know you, that would have been the last time. I don't know you too, bitch. What up? (laughs) No, you're right. She's giving her too much. Like, you're letting her see you sweat. A Nigerian woman can't handle that you don't, you don't recognize her flex. You don't recognize her sexy. Like, she, it bothers her so much that Karen is unimpressed when she's gone out of her way to be impressive in the ways that we're taught Nigerian women should be impressive. I have four degrees. I'm on the board of this. I t- I'm a professor here. I go on MSNBC all the time. And Karen don't care. And it bothers the fuck out of her. It really does. But I will say, back to the lake house when Giselle was like, I don't really think you should be mad at Ashley. I think you should be mad at Karen. That's <laughs> like, hilarious what? and brilliant self-producing. Thank you, Giselle. I love her the way I love Kenya more because they're like, okay, producers, we're going to make this a good show. Always. Every time. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I cried. That was so messy. Wendy's uh, a smart person. Why didn't she go, oh, come on, Giselle. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, it was smooth the way Giselle did it. She was like, you know, <laughs> really? like, you should really be mad. I was like, what? <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Like, um, I guess, I guess, Karen, you all seem to be mad at each other. Oh, it was so funny to me. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so I mean, her scene was just basically like, I'm, my maternity leave is up. I don't know what to do. I don't want to come to my mom and tell her that like the path that I'm on in terms of my career is not the path that I necessarily want to be on and continue on. And I just want to say that I thought Eddie's glasses were really cute. (laughs) I can't 
tell if I'm attracted to him or not. Me either. Sometimes I think I am, right? And then his, like, he seems to be like a, and I mean this not in a way to insult him or call him soft, but he seems like a gentle person, like in a great way. And I, I find that very, very attractive. You know, he seems like in control all the time. Like he's, he's not gonna, you know, like even when Wendy was pretending to get angry about the instructor hitting her kid, it's like, Wendy, it's a, it's a fucking karate class. <laughs> I seem bothered by the fact that in karate class, they do karate, you know? Right. <laughs> he seems like he smells good all the time. Yes, he does. Doesn't he? He does. And, and he's very well dressed. He he's well dressed and he seems like he moisturizes with the best shea butter. Right. <laughs> You're right. Very nice. His skin is very nice. And I love when someone's complexion is that deep and rich, because it's not just that he's mm-hmm. dark, but it's like dark with like just every piece of melanin just exploding from your pores. And right. it's it looks like it looks like chocolate milk, like a like a rich chocolate. His skin is so nice. It's so nice. It's so nice. <laughs> Sorry. So I think I am attracted to him now that we've talked about it. <laughs> I think I'm attracted to him too. And I think you know Juan is a beautiful man. And mm-hmm. you know a lot of these house husbands look expensive or are just like objectively handsome the way people on TV are handsome. But I'm confident that if I saw Eddie in real life at a party or something, I'd be like, oh, that one's nice. I wonder what he's about. Yeah, exactly. Like you could have a nice, chill conversation. Yeah. He looks like you could talk to anybody. Yes. And he's a lawyer. Come on, money. And <laughs> I... And I and he's not intimidated by a powerful woman, which I quite like. But Nigerian men can handle big women because all the women in Nigeria, for the most part, are pretty big and, and you know, powerful. And, um, you know, a lot of West Indian women are like that, too, where it's like we have no problem being bad bitches. And if you are going to marry a woman like me, you got to handle it. I mean, the fact that even Chris, uh, not Chris, Eddie sided with his wife over his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, okay. Like, I don't obviously know the exact details, but it's not often that a man chooses his wife over his family, and especially not in a community like um, a Nigerian one where everybody talks and family pressure is big. Like, I know people who were engaged and in deep love, and because their mothers had beef from the mosque, we're Nigerian Muslims, but it's like if church women were beefing over something petty, like who cooks better or whatever, whatever, and that broke up an engagement 30 years later, like that's the kind of shit we're dealing with in Nigerian communities. And if Eddie married Wendy anyway, I don't know. Sounds like his yeah. parents suck, but he's also an awesome dude. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. So next scene we see Kristen Monique go for a walk. And oh, okay. talking- I'm sorry. Oh. No, go ahead. Um, I also thought this conversation about whether or not she wants to quit is bogus because the minute you signed up to be on the Real Housewives of Potomac, you didn't want to be a professor anymore. That's what I thought too. <laughs> how could, I mean, how could you? How, how could, could you do it? 
Like, can you imagine walking into a room after bitches like you address me as Dr. Wendy? I would be walking into class like, Dr. Wendy, you know? Like, who, like what class? What? I wouldn't take my professor seriously at fucking all if they were acting like that on TV. Hell no. Hell no. And, like, she's probably making more money first season than she was as a professor. Well, I don't know, maybe, but... You know, she probably knew, like, I'm going to be on the show. I'm going to make sure I stay on the show for next season and a couple more seasons to come. And, like, do I really, is it worth me grading papers when I could just be on TV? Right. And I will say that there's nothing a Nigerian woman loves more than being a socialite. Woo! Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, so Chris and Monique are talking about Not For Lazy Moms, and Chris, I think, was pretty spot on. He was like, $200,000 is a lot of fucking money, and if you're not going to, you know, like, maybe first you need to, like, cut back (laughs) on that stuff to make up for what you're spending, and he's like, this kind of money doesn't really make sense to me, and... see how unbothered he was? I was like, oh, that's wealth. He invested well. Those investment properties are doing fine. (laughs) Right. Right. And that was all he said. I was like, hmm. Like, y'all got real fuck you money. Yeah. Maybe not like fuck you money, but because I I don't think there are very many black people with fuck you money, just based on this history of this country. But relatively speaking, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't seem. I mean, if I lost two hundred thousand, I don't have two hundred thousand dollars to lose, but mm-hmm. I would be in. I would be in the hospital <laughs> somewhere. Exactly, and not just losing two hundred thousand dollars, losing two hundred thousand dollars on a business venture that he doesn't seem at all interested in. <laughs> right. Oh, Lord, I thought it was funny during that meeting she had earlier when she said, well, you know, it was making a lot of progress. There was a lot of momentum, but then I got pregnant. And so I just couldn't do it. And it's like, okay, well, the are you a lady mom? mom? You were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's not nice. <laughs> but Candace, she tells him that Candace dropped out of the podcast. We see the text message. And now Monique is mad because she's going to have to spend a few more hundred dollars to have somebody take 30 seconds to take her out of the graphic in the picture. And she put, <laughs> like, she acted like it was going to be this big deal, like, just take her out. And she also spent money on flyers, 500 flyers, which seems like, okay, well, this is where your money's going. But also in 2019, right? That's when this would have been shot. In 2019, who's actually printing flyers anymore? Picture, full picture flyers for a podcast? Yes. Like, truly the only flyer I've seen in the 2010s is, like, for white parties for, like, 50-year-olds on Labor Day weekend. You know what I mean? Like... Where it's like, oh, yeah, all of all of these aunties, you know, got together and went on like a boat party <laughs> and like right. I was just gonna say it was a boat show, like they were going to a boat exactly. Show. <laughs> Come on. What do you mean flyers? That's absurd. One. And two, just in general, like maybe she's practicing the dynamic she has with Chris 
on other people because I don't understand how you disrespect me in my in your home and then expect me to uh, accept that disrespect and then still show up and perform for you. And I feel like, okay, Monique takes Chris's disrespect and shows up and performs for him. And for some reason, we already know she's made the connection between them because of the boxes on the show. For some reason, she thinks Candace owes her that, which is absurd to me. Absolutely absurd. Like, where, where in your mind does that make sense to you? Especially when you keep making comments about like, oh, how can they still be in the honeymoon phase if they haven't even been on their honeymoon, which like isn't even a read. It's just stupid, stupid. <laughs> like, that's just such a stupid you know, thing. I had a, um, there was a moment that I really hated Monique last week where um, when uh, they were all coming to sing happy birthday to Monique. And uh, I, one, think Candy's, Candace's petty ass didn't come down while when she heard her first singing, so she didn't have to sing. But, <laughs> but um, I remember at one point, I don't remember who asked, but Chris said, I think Candace's Chris said, uh, oh, somebody asked, where's Monique? Uh, where's Candace? And uh, the first thing uh, Monique says is, oh, she's probably upstairs packing because we got into a fight. And then right. Candace runs down, runs down the stairs. She goes, no, I'm here. And I was like, you are, you are a poker. You're disrespectful. So like, even if, even if uh, she doesn't think she pretended to be asleep, I don't know if she did or didn't. She did yawn right before Chris uh, when Chris was talking, so maybe, but I don't know how you fall asleep that fast. Uh, but, um, but like, even before that, the fact that, uh, you know, in that moment where we're supposed to be celebrating you and somebody goes, where's Candace? You could have just let it go, but you had to make a point of announcing to everybody that she's petty. Like, oh, she must be upstairs packing because She's, we just got into an argument. When Candace was fully prepared to act like nothing happened, I was like, you want mess, but you keep fronting like you don't want mess. Yeah, and why would you say that to her, Chris? Yes. Candace, Chris, like, that was weird. To, it was exactly. weird and petty to me. And I feel like not on some, uh, not on some, like, that was the greatest violation ever but it's like somebody carrying that sort of energy to you why would you ever on purpose be around them or do them a big favor because that's why i asked you if they was getting paid to do it i'm not showing up for you for free after you you come you feel comfortable disrespecting me and you've already jabbed at my marriage like so i'm gonna go on your platform to discuss a marriage that you don't even respect after you've disrespected me myself right person get the fuck out of here <laughs> it does not make any sense it's not even like it goes beyond like oh you're not showing up to my event it's like you want me to perform for your platform for you to get clout why would i do that yes exactly 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 <laughs> so um that's i mean candace said you know i don't have any part to be I don't have any reason to be a part of it when she can't even say goodbye. I do think she fell asleep, but I also think she must have heard Candace and Chris say goodbye to each other. That that 
I just don't buy that she fell asleep that fast because I just don't think people fall asleep that fast. And certainly if it was a quick sleep, and even if she did, let's give her the benefit of the doubt, and she fell asleep that fast. The sleep couldn't have been that deep. She had just fallen asleep. If if my eyes are like, you know that, that like, oh, your eyes are closing, and you like sleep for a minute, and uh, then you're jerked away by the slightest noise. Yes, Chris's big ass booming voice. Oh, <laughs> right. You didn't hear that vibrating the couch. Come on. And you know. <laughs> uh, um, so, okay, then Robin goes to her parents' house and she tells a story about like Juan's parents passed by the time he was 15, they were both gone. So her parents really took him in and acted as like surrogate parents to him. So they have this really close relationship, which was so funny to me because. As soon as she brings up, like, oh, I think we're thinking about looking at houses, but I want to get married first. Her dad was like, mm. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Daddy was like, mm. <laughs> He's like, I'm good with you buying property together. Oh. <laughs> Which was hysterical to me because you would think that a father would want his daughter to be in a marriage when they've been living like this for years. But right. I mean, they had valid concerns. Like, like a marriage requires, you know, a commitment not just of like emotion, but like assets. Like, like uh, it's a contract. And I think he had valid concerns, but I am also rooting for Juan and Rob. And I like this conversation was in, interesting to watch to see like Robin be literally in the middle of her parents, like physically in the middle of her parents, having two like opposing views about this. And um, I don't know. Her dad seemed to be making good points, but I also want them to like win. And also what was crazy is like Robin is, a perfect, like like a beautiful amalgamation of both of her parents' faces. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. She really is. I was like, well, because I was expecting one or the other. This is not. This is not nice. But I was expecting because Robin is so beautiful, one or the other parent to be equally beautiful. And they're both good-looking people, but somehow the mix got perfect and came together <laughs> perfectly on Robin's face. Because, like, remember, Giselle is so stunning, but she literally copy and pasted her father's face. Yeah, but, yeah. But, like, Robin, uh, it was my, I'm like, oh, I just love everything about Robin. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um... I also also think it's worth mentioning that Robin showed her mom their tattoo <laughs> that is now fading. But it's also doubly worth mentioning that Juan did not get the tattoo. He ended up chickening out at the end, and she was the only one who got it. I Let's don't... Um, I don't know. I don't think necessarily, like... Huh, how do I say this without sounding like a woman who puts up with shit she shouldn't? Um... <laughs> I feel like Juan's love language is probably just different from all of ours. Yeah. 
And I think that from the outside, we like to project onto him things he ought to be doing. And of course, there were things that he ought to have been doing. I fully believe that first season that of Potomac, he was cheating on her. You know, like the rumors that Ashley had heard or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think yep. those were true. But um, I do think he loves Robin. I think he loves Robin the way an athlete loves uh, women their wives, which is to believe that they have access to all the women in the world and it's not a problem, but they love their wives. Um, I don't think that's how you should love your wife, but I think that that's a mentality he probably carries. And I also don't think he would have been as like excited to come on camera and, you know, plan this thing with Giselle. Juan has, like, there's nothing that looking good on Potomac does for Juan like he doesn't have to do any of the things that he does on this show because it doesn't help his world any it's not promoting a business of his like he doesn't have to make himself available to Robin on this show that way and so I don't think that he disrespects Robin the way people interpret based on his ways of showing love yeah, I think he's very quiet, and I think it he's private in a way. Like, I think he probably says things to her that reassures her and affirms their relationship, yes. but, like, we're probably not really ever going to see it. Yes, I don't feel like I... And I said that to somebody on Twitter pretty recently. I was just like, he keeps their relationship off the show, so there seems to be... There has to be a difference in how he used to treat her and how he treats her now, because Robin is also significantly more happy, just in her body, like, mm-hmm. than she was those first two seasons. Do you remember? She was kind of, like... A lot. <laughs> she was a real sad sack. Yes, but like she's not nearly as angry. Remember when she was ready to pop off and fight all the fucking time? Mm-hmm. And like I-, I think that we're just not seeing something. And the way that her boys adore her, I don't know. I feel like their household is very loving, just private. I, I agree. I totally agree. We end that scene on her dad saying, I can't afford to buy you another wedding gift, which was so funny. (laughs) Also, you know, I was so surprised to learn Robin's background. I was. Because, um, so, uh, Giselle is an AKA, and Robin is a Delta. And not only is Robin a Delta, she's a second generation Delta. So her mom's a Delta, too. Mm -hmm. And, And, um, and I, I always find that interesting because, you know, the stereotypes about AKAs, I'm not, don't beat me up because I know they get very sensitive about those things. So if there are any AKAs and Deltas listening, don't beat me up. I'm just going <laughs> off of base what I've seen. But the stereotype about AKAs is that they're Giselles, right? Just very fair skinned, very beautiful. Like, oh, I come from this kind of family. We were raised this kind of way. Very like um, capital C classy, you know. Yeah. Jack and Jill. Yes, exactly. Very Jack and Jill, whatever black debutante shit, you know. And uh, but and light skin is the thing in particular, like fair, fair skinned, you know, talented tenth W E B Du Bois, fair skin type shit. And to see that her parents were not only like very, very like 
successful professionally, but also so fair-skinned, but she was still like a light-skinned Delta. That's very interesting. It complicated my thoughts about like who Robin is and like what kind of family she came from. It was, it, she's a very interesting and I think that people don't give her enough credit for being, you know, well, like, uh, I wouldn't say well, but like a more complicated, thoughtful person than she probably gets shown to be on TV. I agree. I agree. I really like Robin. I do too. And I want her to be my homegirl. I would love to chill with her. <laughs> wouldn't you yeah. want to with them? Yeah, I would, I would like to go to a brunch with them. Yes, and just kiki and gossip. Come on, it would be so fucking fun. It would be real fun. Like somewhere you can get like pictures, pictures of yes, them. Exactly, and they still go <laughs> to DC anyway. You know, Black DC brunch is the you know that's the thing, and mm-hmm. it would be so much fun. I think it would be hilarious. It would be, and that really sealed the deal when when Robin brought those like dollar ninety nine bottles of plastic bottles yes. with a uh, wet. <laughs> They call them lips because they're supposed to look like nipples, right? And uh, those little, yes. Oh, what was, and what was that tacky ass um, liquor that uh, Giselle brought to her house? Fuck. Oh, Lord. It was it like, it was like, it was like, it was like, was it more? It was definitely like some. Oh, yeah. It was some real bodega shit. Yes. Brightly colored. Yes. I can't can't remember what what it it was. But it was, was it Mad Dog? Was it Mad Dog? It was in the Mad Dog family for sure. <laughs> but come on, that is so fucking funny to me. Here's Giselle. Her father's a civil rights activist. You know, she has clout in Houston. Her family has clout in Houston and New Orleans. She's a Hampton University, AKA. And she's rolling up into Robin's townhouse with Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> They're funny. They're real funny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh, Lord. So back to Ashley. She and her sister and her mom go dress shopping for homecoming. Totally uninterested in this scene. Go ahead. (laughs) The only thing I did like was her mom holding Dean and being like, I don't want to yell in this store, but I am very upset. Very (laughs) mad. (laughs) She was pissed. And Ashley's mom get the script or is she upset because she believes what Ashley is going through is real? I think she's mad because she, you know, I think she brought up some things that we forget about, which is A, that she did say, this is not the first time Michael's, like, he's going back to his old ways is what she said. Mm -hmm. And B, I think we all forgot that during the season one reunion, Ashley said, like, oh, I live in a different apartment. I moved out on Michael. Yeah. And they were going through it, but we just didn't see it because they got back together basically a few episodes into season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's pissed. I think she's real pissed. And she has every right to be. Yes, but then it's like, it's the, it's the problem that mothers and daughters always have, which is uh, your daddy and your stepdaddy is trash, but I will not have a man disrespect you, okay? <laughs> I forgot that Ashley was really trying to get her to leave her. I don't think they're married, but like her Didn't she say they lived in a tent for a long time? I think they were living real question mark. And then that stresses me out because Ashley's little sister is so young. So that means she must have been in the tent with them. Yeah. I, that, ugh. 
That's a situation. Yes, yeah, a situation. And maybe that's also part of why Ashley doesn't leave. Like, maybe it's a situation where it's like, if I leave Michael, then my mom goes back to a tent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's not just Ashley's in a marriage. Like, Ashley's family's in the marriage. Do you feel like... I've been watching a lot of hoarders lately. Do you <laughs> feel like... You, Ashley's mom seems like somebody who would be on hoarders. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, she just wouldn't want to get, oh, give away. Like, she doesn't recognize that there are so many roaches in the house. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, I don't watch that, but you just made my skin crawl. Like, just, like, all these, like, like filthy animals under papers and shit. <laughs> oh. Like, chihuahuas that are just defecating all over the house. She's, oh, my God. She's some shirt with mouse droppings on it. Okay, she doesn't want I have to clean up my apartment after we get off the phone. <laughs> She's yelling in the front yard. Some old Barbie she doesn't want to let go of. I gotta stop watching hoarders. But <laughs> I know you just literally made my like ser- like I'm cringing. <laughs> there are like now I'm like oh shit there might be roaches everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So things start to escalate. We get to the winery and Giselle is cracking me up this whole time. She said, I feel bad that I left the witness protection program. I said, I'm calling that lake house witness. (laughs) She really got jokes. She is so funny. But her like mea culpa for leaving is to throw a party for herself. Isn't that fucking hilarious? (laughs) Also, can we talk, because we didn't talk last week about last week's episode, obviously, but can we talk about the fact that Giselle Bryant, who probably did not write that novel, beat Eric Jerome Dickey, who's been in the Black interest section of libraries since I was like 12 years old, 10 years old. She beat him in a literary award. You got to be fucking kidding me. I was like... Right. <laughs> that seemed to me like a would Eric Jerome Dickey show up to a yes a, exactly a, they, it was a, it was trading award for camera time right like I don't know what you were nervous about of course you were gonna win because you were gonna put it on Instagram like yeah. what do you think <laughs> I was like this is absolutely absurd like what 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 she beat Eric Jerome Dickey do you know how many like sex scenes I shouldn't have read that I learned about in like fifth grade and shit because of him. He's been around forever and he's well respected in the black literary spaces. I could, I was dying. I was dying. Anyway, keep going. White people have no idea about the like black literature erotic. Oh good. yeah, for sure. Like, I have no idea. Coldest winter ever and <laughs> and uh, 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 what's that lady Sapphire who wrote Push? She wrote a lot of like black erotic. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my god I used to there used to be like what I so I grew up in Brooklyn or whatever and you would have like um bootleg tables in the 90s and mm-hmm. so you know how they would sell bootleg tapes so like outside of the train station like the subway station in front of my on the way to my parents house we would like there would be like a table and it would be like an African man or a young uh American dude they would have like a table of uh bootleg movies like you know, uh, I remember maybe like The Nutty Professor or like Money Talks or some shit. And then like <laughs> the other side of the table would be like those books, like Coldest Winter Ever and shit like that. And like, 
it's like street lit, they call it, um, or what's the other word for it? I don't remember, but it's like, it is such a cool world. And I feel like um, what sucks about a show like Potomac, because while Atlanta is very black, it's like um, new money and it's not very like um, invested in its like black traditions in the same way. But there mm -hmm. are so many cool, um, uniquely black American things that these women express and go through on Potomac that I, I wonder if, you know, the white audience even has a clue that there's this like other layer happening like that first season conversation about Katie's race versus versus Robin's and Giselle's. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what did white people hear? Because to white people, I'm sure Robin and Giselle look exactly like Katie to them. So they're right. wondering what's the distinction? Why does Giselle care about, you know? And so I'm always, I'm always wondering about that. Or even like when, um, Giselle said Wendy was her soror. It's like, do they know what that means? Like, do they right. know why that's important? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, a lot of a lot of little things like that that are great to us. But I wonder what people know, <laughs> what they pick up on. Um, so Monique kind of throws shade and is like, well, I wonder if, you know, she wrote this book about her husband cheating on her. Like, is part two going to be about them getting back together? I didn't hear that last part. I'm sorry. Oh, Monique was saying, I wonder if she's going to write a second book about she and Jamal getting back together. Like, <laughs> I thought marriages were off limits. Right. right. I thought marriages were off limits, Monique. Right. I, I don't know. All the girls except, except Ashley. Happy, Monique. Right. Okay, sorry. Because she started <laughs> the whole fight with Candace about it last week. It was weird. It's real weird. Um, so Giselle, everybody shows up except for Ashley. She's late. Giselle says, I appreciate everybody coming. And from now on, I would like to be referred to as a literary award winner. Just so you know. Um, <laughs> Karen, we didn't get much of Karen this episode, but what she did give us was so funny. Karen's like, so fucking funny. she sucks. Giselle sucks as a host, and I wish she would have Skyped me. I could have saved gas. <laughs> <laughs> she kills me. So funny because um, Karen knows what she's about to say is hilarious, mm -hmm. and it's, like, very clear in her de delivery that Karen thinks I'm about to kill it. And usually... When someone brings that element to their delivery, they don't kill it. But there's something right. so special about Candace where, I'm not Candace, excuse me, Karen, where she's like, yeah, this is about to be some funny shit I'm about to say. And it ends up being really fucking funny. Right. <laughs> Every time. Because like with Giselle, you know, Giselle knows she has good comedic time and she knows she's funny, but like Giselle doesn't like feel like, all right, guys, Brace yourself. I'm about to hit you with something funny. But Karen does the whole brace yourself. But it works. It works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're right. Um, so then Ashley shows up late. And she starts off saying some wild shit like, oh, I was feeling a little bit off. And like, you know, you can't usually conceive when you're breastfeeding. and But like hinting that she might be pregnant. And everybody's like, what? Already? <laughs> Him? <laughs> 
with him. With him. <laughs> Robin Robin called it. What'd you say? I'm sorry. Oh, I was saying that Robin calls Ashley a politician, which is perfect. Yes. I thought that was a perfect assessment, but I would have gone with pa- pageant girl. Uh, c- yeah. Icing on the cake. Wild. Wild. And Giselle's like, okay, so everything must be good between you and Michael if you're talking about getting pregnant. What? (laughs) Ashley says, you know, I'm I'm really sorry because I don't want to make this about me. And Giselle says, oh, don't worry. I'll bring it back to myself later. We we can talk about this, but... (laughs) It's okay. We can kiki for now, but it will be going back right to me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Come on. How is she not your fave? She, the, she was really giving it everything this episode, for sure. so much. <laughs> I love her so much. She, she's in my top three. My top three are LVP, Kenya, and Giselle. And I think she has just jumped for me, LVP. I, I think that's smart. I think that's where. Would you do you want to see LVP come back, or do you think her yeah. time is over? I think I'm done with LVP because um, the 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 real world that LVP lives in, which is like you know very racially problematic and all of that, it, mm-hmm. I'm too aware of her on Vanderpump Rules and what she enables of that cast that I can't bring her back into a Beverly Hills scenario and ignore those things that I know about her now. That's an excellent point. Also, I feel like she's bleeding money. The restaurants aren't opening. That's true. So she's probably not living as lavish or interesting a lifestyle, which was so much of what attracted me to her as well. Yeah, she's very much like wealth porn. She was anyway. Yes, I mean, like, I went back and watched um, over, you know, I've been watching so much reality TV this pandemic, and, like, uh, I went back and watched all of the, like, the reunions of Orange County and Beverly Hills, and the glow-up Vanderpump has between season one and season two is astonishing. hmm Yep. I forgot that she used to live across the street from Adrian. I forgot that while she was always a pretty woman, the like the the whatever slight nips and tucks she did between season one and two were astonishing. Like Villa Rosa, she bought between season one and two, and I was like, oh, okay. Like there's a thing that Lisa Vanderpump. It was consciously doing that at the time in like 2011. I wasn't obsessed with Real Housewives and the game all of them play enough to to see happen in real time. But that's also why I like Lisa Vanderpump. She was so savvy, and her and her moves were subtle enough that I wasn't put off by them. Sort of like how Kyle Richards has tweaked her face little by little every season that I didn't notice how much plastic surgery she's had since season one and that kind of like that sort of small like touch-ups is what Vanderpump had been doing to her image and her reputation the whole time but seeing her this most recent season on Vanderpump Rules and then the fallout afterward and how poorly she handled it by not acknowledging at all um and did you see that tweet from last week where she was like she was like oh things are bad here you know 
fires, riots, poor people. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, I can't have that woman come back to Beverly Hills and act like it wouldn't bother me, you know? You're right. You're you're totally right. Ugh. Yeah. LVP had her time. Yeah. And we should enjoy it for what it was. And, and it was disappointing how she went out, right? And I feel bad because, you know, a suicide right after your mom's death was probably some shit she didn't see coming, you know, and it made yeah. her floppy. But it's like, but you still went out sad because you didn't come to the reunion and you're like crying all the time with these girls. It's like, that's not the LVP I fell in love with. And, you know, and Lisa sort of loves to be around like... We're so talking about Beverly Hills right now. It's a Potomac <laughs> podcast. But, like, Lisa loves to be around, like, sycophants now. And I didn't – that wasn't why I liked her, right? So she loves Stassi, and she loves all the kids who kiss her ass at, at uh, you know, Pump or and uh, Sir. And that's mm. the Lisa I like. I like the Lisa who can take a jab and give it back. I agree. I agree. The crown is heavy, darling. I and know. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, okay, so Ashley says, you know, obviously there's been a lot of going on in the press, and Michael told me that there is truth to it, and then she tries to move on, and we get everybody being like, hold on, what, 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 what? wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wendy's uh, raising her hand, like, I, please pick me. I have a question. Pick me. Hello. Somebody. <laughs> I will say. I will say. A thing I really do like about Wendy, besides her confessionals, because she does, she's really funny in those. Um, Wendy's got the most expressive face on the planet. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, yeah, at one point she turned her back to Ashley because I know she she was like, I'm about to make some faces. <laughs> and I don't want to be rude. <laughs> but I love, because I don't think this would happen in Beverly Hills. We would have seen like, Ashley be able to move on and then everybody being shady and then maybe Lisa would say something, Rena yeah. would say something rude Lisa like, you're not being honest, okay right. <laughs> but I just love that everybody was like, no, 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 no no. we're not going to let you skate, I have several but, questions but, and I this, but this is a messy franchise, right? That's mm -hmm. also why Beverly Hills felt so bad the last two seasons, it's like you're not, we're not watching you because you messy and petty this way. But we watching Potomac because I want Giselle to get to the bottom of the mess. Right. <laughs> Let's unpack all of this. Yeah. All of um, <clears throat> so then, uh, bullshit, bullshit. Ashley says, well, this, they were at the strip club and then the stripper followed him. To, she's acting like the stripper is a predator. <laughs> followed him to the MGM and asked if he wanted to go to the hotel, and she said he took the bait. But what? check this out. Like, what was crazy was, as she was telling this story, her face didn't look like it was disgusting to say. <laughs> like, no. I'm like, that don't even taste nasty coming out your mouth. You gonna <laughs> let that come out your mouth for you? She just had a perfect face. Like, it tasted delicious to say that. I could not fucking believe it. I was like, is she on national TV talking to these women, telling them this fucking story? <laughs> and expecting them to, like, eat it? And I couldn't believe it. Right. I couldn't believe it. 
what? And then she said, you know, he was so drunk that he laid down and he fell asleep. And then the next morning that photo was taken. I have never been, and this is just me. I've never been in a position like if I'm going to be so drunk that I pass out, I'm passing out in my clothes. I'm not taking (laughs) all my clothes off next to a stranger, then passing out and we're kissing in the car. And then no. And then you wake up like nothing like, oh, I'm just going to go check my phone. He didn't wake up at any point in the night Mm -hmm. to go pee or something. It was it was such a nonsensical story, and I was embarrassed for her that she tried to tell that nonsensical story to not just those women there, but like the national TV audience. She knew she was gonna, who were gonna hear that message. But also, like with what you just said, right? Like the only way that I can conceive of this happening is sexual assault. Like, if Michael was assaulted, that's what it sounds like, right? If he was so drunk and he got taken advantage of and now we're upstairs in a hotel room and I'm naked, like, I, I'm naked. That sounds like a sexual assault to me. Are you saying that this stripper right. assaulted your husband? Is that what you're right. saying to me? Because if, you're, if the stripper sexually assaulted your husband, let's have that conversation. But if you're not saying that, because... I'm just astonished that someone who has been accused of sexual assault and groping is essentially creating a sexual assault scenario wherein he's the victim to, 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 you know, get his wife off his back for cheating rumors, which is just absurd. But also, like, two, um, I'm married and there's a newborn baby at home and, um, my wife wouldn't approve of this. How are you getting so drunk that it's possible for the stripper to take advantage of you in that way? Which is like, Michael shouldn't have had more than three drinks. That's his responsibility. Right. And and like, who got the hotel room? Right. Somebody had to pay for it, yes? And I know a stripper is not paying for a wealthy businessman's hotel. Hell no. Hell no. I... mm, I'm very curious. Were those strippers black? Um, We saw a leg, and it didn't look like that leg had any Afro (laughs) DNA in it. Maybe Latina? I'm not sure, but it it didn't appear to be a a leg of African descent. I don't know if Michael has a type because you know he likes black men too. He really, really likes Juan Dixon. And uh, <laughs> he's got good taste. He does I, have good taste. I will say Ashley and Juan are beautiful motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So then we get Ashley says she does not believe that Michael slept with this woman because he told her that he didn't. Here's like Ashley's really putting on a brave face. Like she's I know she's a tough cookie, but there's no way that this doesn't bother her. Like, let's be clear. Ashley Darby is not a stupid person by any stretch. The only idiot on this cast, God forgive me, that's such a harsh word. Monique is the only stupid person on this cast. <laughs> and I I don't, and I don't even think she's all the way stupid. I think she's delusional and like, prev- and on purpose keeps information out. But Ashley is a very sharp cookie. Come yeah. the fuck on. 
come on. And, and come on. Robin was like, I don't believe one word Michael says. Where's this? somebody drop the sex tape, please? Drop it. <laughs> I mean, like, this nigga is in front of a TV ass naked. Come on. Come on. You all are playing with me. Candace was like, okay, well, why do you believe Michael? Can you tell us <laughs> what that? I thought was fucking hysterical. It was a, the perfect question. Why? Hello? And Ashley's like, you know, just like full on teenager innocence. Like, well, I just feel like, you know, if anything else came out, it wouldn't it just be so much worse? So why wouldn't he just tell me the truth now? And um, who was it? I think Giselle was like, because he didn't want you to get mad. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, why does anybody lie, Ashley? <laughs> what did do we not know? Come on, Ashley, you've been a kid before, where your mom asks you what you did, and you tell a half story, and then she catches you, so you have to tell a full story. Come on, Ashley. Like, hello, <laughs> hello. <sighs> so then, Monique. Like you said, as like, well, maybe he's just telling you enough to keep you around and to keep you from leaving. And she breaks it down. She's like, by the time I sent you that article, the article had been on Twitter for seven hours. He only admitted it after you saw the article. So don't you think that it's a possibility that he's lying if he's only telling you the truth when you have irrefutable evidence that's been posted on the blogs for everybody in the world to see? I get what she was getting at, but that logic seems silly to me. If if a story comes out, if a gossip blog releases a story about me, I'm not bringing it up to my wife. Like, I don't know why that means uh, that that makes Michael uh, guilty. If there's a dumb story about me that's not true and it's on stupid gossip blogs, I'm not showing it to my wife first. I don't know. It just didn't seem like... Gotcha, Michael. You know well, what I mean? I think she was saying, like, y'all got the text first, and she asked him about it. He denied it. And then he only admitted it after the article came out. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, okay, so the uh, the artic- the blog stories are from the same night that Candace supposedly got the test from? Yeah. And I'm saying supposedly because... I fully believe that the producers sent her that text. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That came out like I guess later that evening. Oh, okay. So okay, maybe Monique isn't always stupid. All right, gotcha. I misheard that. <laughs> um so then Ashley admits, like, you know, our relationship has had its own identity and you know, there have been situations and I guess she went they went to a David Gett. <laughs> I don't know what David Getter cracks me. Why? Why? <laughs> she saw a hot bitch at the David Getter concert. Yes, even. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, like a Harmony Corinne story. Like they were at a a music festival and had a threesome. Um, but also like. That was the only time y'all had the threesome, right? Because, um, because the way that Ashley presented their threesome situations, it sounded like a more than it sounded like a frequent occurrence. 
Mm-hmm. So then what is this one David Guetta example? I was so confused about that. <laughs> I love her for saying it, though, because that really tickled me. Um, Karen, again, was like, well, it's nice that she's telling us this, but I filled out the blanks on this a long time ago. Like, duh. Duh. <laughs> right. And Karen's like, okay, are you guys monogamous now? And Ashley's like, well, I don't want anything with anybody else. And Wendy says, okay, so when, I mean, if this happens again, what are you going to do? And Ashley says, I'm done. You ain't so, done. Right. <laughs> right. Um, Monique says, well, you know what? It's your marriage. You can make the best decisions that you have for yourself and Dean, which is telling on yourself a little bit, Monique. Um, yes, right? That you would stick in a shitty marriage because of the kids. Right. Um, Ashley then admits, you know, I thought this was good of her to say, you know what, I have uh, inserted myself in a lot of y'all's relationships, so I really appreciate how supportive y'all are being. Yeah, uh, very self-aware Yeah, really, so really good of her. the person who is capable of that line of thinking spewing Michael's nonsense story? you know what great question (laughs) I do not know so then things start to calm down and then very quickly escalate again Candace starts to cheers and Ashley's like oh are you and Monique good are you all okay and Candace is like we are where we are and I guess she mentions the cancellation of the the uh, podcast and says, you know what? I love Monique, even though she pretended to be asleep at the lake house. All right. I thought it was fun. I thought Candace was trying to be funny. I didn't I, find it antagonistic yeah. at all. I thought she was too. Like there was shade behind it, but I think she was trying to just be like pithy. Yes, like I like obviously there was shade because they're not on good terms, but it was just like let's acknowledge this like ridiculous thing because we're all here and I did cancel on her and we haven't talked about it and we haven't greeted each other. So like let's have like this quick funny answer to this question and like move on. I really did not understand what was so bad about like this kind of comment, but whatever. Yeah. So Here's where I'm like, they're both in the wrong, because I agree with you. I don't think Candace was really trying to take it. Well, she obviously wasn't trying to take it to the Royal Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> ended up being, but Monique then escalated it. And then I feel like, don't we all, even if Candace, it takes things where she doesn't need to, at some point, we also have to understand that, like, we know that Candace is going to meet you wherever you're at and then up up it oh, another she, level. <laughs> she, like, Candace um, reminds me of myself when I'm mad when I'm drunk, but Candace does it whenever she's mad, which is like, now I'm going to say every fucking thing I'm good, I wanted to say, and I'm going to say it nasty, you know, yeah. like, and the justification for behaving so disgusting or aggressively is anger because I don't think Candace even means half of the things she says right like one I'm not the biggest Candace fan although I think she's excellent tv and perfect for the show like 
the thing that really bothers me is like when she is arguing with Ashley, all of a sudden Ashley's a Negro bedwench. And it's like, that's not even your issue with Shorty. That's right. not your issue at all. Like right. her old white husband is not your issue. And bitch, you're married to an older white man. Like what are we talking about here, right? But I just feel like Candace is one of those people who throws out the nastiest fucking thing that she can think of and then yeah doesn't understand why you don't get over it once she's not mad. And I'm like, oh, I see that in her dynamic with her mother. It makes sense to me that Candace mm -hmm. is up that way, but it's like, grow up, bitch. You can get beat up, like we saw last night. The problem, though, I have is this. Not just is Candace going to match your energy and escalate it, but she's been picked on for however many weeks of filming they've been in by that person, right? Because it's not like, oh out of nowhere Karen is yelling at Candace. This is a person who like per, like disrespected me in their home, like last week. Yeah. This is a person yeah. who set me up at a party the first day of shooting or whatever day they did on that premiere episode party. At the dinner, yeah, Ashley's dinner. Yeah. So like, like it's not, oh, I didn't have to take it there or match her energy. It's also, here's a bitch who's been starting with me for weeks. And to be fair, Candace, or Monique has only brought up the Cherie situation one time that we've seen. And then every other time has been about everything that doesn't really make sense, but she's just turning up because she's pissed. But she's not really addressing the issue is that you are upset about Candace and Therese forming a friendship. But you didn't want to bring that up. So the other seven times that you've been mad at Candace, it's just been a, like, you've been just fighting for nothing, really. Because who gives a shit that Candace talked to Ashley who about Ashley's marriage? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't even think she's that mad about Sharice. I really don't think she's even that mad about Sh um, Candace as it relates to Sharice. I think she's furious at Sharice. But I don't think she's actually that mad that Candace became friends with Sharice because everybody else on the cast still fucks with Sharice. Like Sharice, like Sharice has been in so many places. Like, I don't think that Candace did anything any differently than anybody else, you know? And I know that she thinks that, um, she thinks that Candace wasn't friends with Sharice and all of a sudden she's friends with Sharice now. It's like, well, you don't get to dictate my friendship when you threatened to beat me up on camera last year. Right. You told me you would drag me pregnant and all. We fell out and barely hugged at the reunion. So I'm not allowed to make friends with any fucking body that you don't approve of? Come on. Get a grip, bitch. You're mad at your husband. You're mad at your husband. Mm -hmm. And we also have to get into the timeline of it all. They they started filming basically like a couple weeks after the right reunion. Right after the reunion. Exactly. <laughs> so why haven't we had that conversation? Why did you have to ambush me at Ashley's party? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. So Monique decides to like kind of indirectly say like, oh, I'm mad because you don't... Ashley brings up her being asleep and Monique's like, I was asleep and you wouldn't understand because you don't have kids and what, you don't what the fuck bitch <laughs> like what does she really do for the lake house okay it's your house 
So what the you wash them? Weren't there. That was a big fight. Remember at the first yeah. part of the at the first part of the trip because kids weren't supposed to be there. Your kids weren't there. So why were you using mommy as an excuse for ignoring Candace? You had had at least three days without your babies. And if the issue is like, oh, I was busy taking care of my kids and trying to get the house ready, then again, not Candace's fault. That's you can put that on Chris. That's another thing that's wrong with your relationship. That he's not helping you. Okay. So again, <laughs> I don't I but I just what is so curious to me is like I were they actually that close? Like I'm trying to rack my brain and remember season three because I'm like, were they really that close that like Monique would be transferring such Chris energy to Candace. Like, why is she focusing in on this girl in particular? Yeah, this, like, were they, like, Nene and Portia, big sis, little sis? Or was, because I don't really remember them being that, that close. That this is, like, either. I remember them connecting immediately because I remember, like, Candace said, oh, I went to Howard. And, you know, Monique said, oh, my sister went to Howard. And they, like, kikied right away, right? But, right. like. And they, but they didn't seem like sister friends. They seemed like, oh, this is my, my closest bitch on the cast. They didn't seem like Robin and Giselle. Right. And I guess maybe there's stuff that we don't see because they said that the Chris's are really close with each other and they really like each other. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think when the guys bring up, when they bring up their relationship to their respective Chris's, they don't really seem all that upset about their relationship ending. Yeah, so exactly, like both Chris's seem wholly unfazed. I remember, I remember asking Candace's Chris was like, uh, was like, oh, what y'all arguing about? And he like asked because he cared about his wife, but it was very clear he doesn't actually care about the situation because he probably had decided in his head before he got the answer that it was petty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. But and so that knows the woman he married because his impression of her was so spot on. Doc, like perfect. Per- so and like- the thing is, he seems he also seemed amused by it. Like I, I don't know. I got the sense that Chris really. I think Candace's Chris really adores her. And I mean, he would have to. And, right, <laughs> And I also think he thinks she's funny. Like, I think he thinks all of this is silly and absurd and funny. And uh, and so, like, he's not phased by it. And then Chris Samuels is like, this is women business. I don't give a fuck. In his, you know, mass, like, misogynistic whatever way. Right. Yeah. You're totally right. So, yeah, I just, I don't really understand it. Because Monique is going on about how their friendship was a facade and how she keeps pouring into their relationship. And then what are you pouring it? What are we like? What are what what is she pouring into the relationship? You threatened to beat me up pregnant and all. What are you pouring into anything? You had a 14 pound, six foot baby in you. you, And you wanted to drag me. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Candace keeps bringing out the cutlery, and she's just got to come out with a line at this point. <laughs> I know, right? Your man is a chef. Why haven't you guys come up with a knife line or some shit? Right. Come up with, like, a chef mate by Candace. Something like exactly. that. Exactly. Come on. 
She keeps banging on this wine glass with the knife. Wendy keeps being like, please don't, like, put the knife down. Mm-hmm. Put the knife down. Right. <laughs> and, um, I say, though, it's very reckless and irresponsible for Candace to have the knife in her hand. Yeah. But yes. both times she has had it, I didn't think she was going to do anything with it. Although, when she did it to Ashley, I thought Ashley was well within her right to whoop her ass if she had. Oh, 100%. Mm. Um, but I didn't think that... I thought the way she was talking with it and gesticulating with it toward Ashley was more obviously threatening than in this scenario. Yeah. Because she had... Somebody had to hold... Chris had to, like, sit on her. Yeah. To hold her back. Um, gosh, so then... Okay. Monique then points to Giselle and says, you know what? Giselle, Ashley goes to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Monique points to Giselle and basically outs Giselle for telling her about uh, Candace and Charisse forming a friendship when Monique and, and Candace were having their little falling out. And we get back to the trainer stuff. And Candace mm-hmm. at this point is like twirling. <laughs> <laughs> And talking about, I'm sleep. I'm so bored. I'm sleep. I'm sleep with this. What? Because what's the what? What the fuck else was she supposed to do with that? <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com <laughs> She will give us a prop and a theatric, and I love that about her. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, not, like, truly. Like, what? What? And also, Monique, you are so dumb. Sorry. <laughs> it's not nice to call these people dumb. And I try really hard not to use, um, like, super harsh language because I know that they're just characters on TV and, like, I shouldn't cast, like, aspersions about their real-life selves, except for Michael Darby, who is a piece of shit. Um, but my thing is, like, Monique, you are so dumb. Here's a person you've had beef with since the minute you met her. Okay, the minute uh-huh. you met her, you ruined her relationship with her boyfriend without um, uh, by bringing him, bringing his ex-wife on the show and outing his solicitation arrest. Giselle never got to have the argument you should have expected with you because Chris, your husband, interfered because you were pregnant. Right. So now you're not pregnant. Giselle, 
you know, is a petty bitch who never lets anything go. You think she was your friend telling you that? No. Yeah. You, you like, Monique was so hyped to be in the cool girl clique that it never occurred to her that it was so stupid to run off and start an argument with her actual friend or the person that she's trying to re uh, reconcile with off of Giselle's word. And at worst, you should have come to me and been like, okay, I know Giselle likes to start shit. So can you talk this through with me? Right. You're yep. so fucking dumb. Sorry. <laughs> That's not nice to say, but like, my God. She's playing this all wrong. And that's just the fact. So then we get a split screen. And we start to see them get in each other's faces. And Monique starts grabbing at Candace's weave, flipping her hair. Do you, so this upset me to see for two reasons. One... I don't want, if there's going to be physical fights on Bravo, I'm usually not a respectability politics person, but if there, because I fucking love, like, loving hip-hop or whatever, if you a bitch who fight, fight on TV, I don't care. But something about it being on Bravo and they're being, like, they're supposedly being, like, the classy black housewives, like, it was very disappointing to me to see it get physical that way. But yeah. also... Um, but also, fuck you, Monique. Do you remember all of the blog stories that got leaked before the season? And I've been saying to my friends recently, because we were all, because I didn't like Candace last season. I think she's excellent TV, but I don't like her. So me and all my friends were like, I can't wait to watch Monique beat Candace's ass. That's like all we were saying. And then as we started getting closer and closer to the premiere of the season and Monique started to do all these Instagram lives. And I was like, you guys, I actually think Monique is the one who is the bad guy this season. And they were like, oh, I don't know. And I remember being like, I know like Monique, like can't, I need to see what Candace said or did because like, we need to know why Monique whooped her ass. And I remember reading about the separate police reports they filed on each other. And, right. um, and in particular, like, I remember um, Monique said that Candace threw a wine glass at her first. And so here we are for six months, because they pushed back the premiere. Here we are for six months thinking that Candace deserved an ass whooping because she was violent first. And then to, f to see that not at all be true, and then to see like a clip from um, Monique's Instagram Live last night where she was like, well, I popped her hair and just blew past the part that she popped her hair. And she was like, and I saw, a, I felt a hand on my shoulder and I thought it was Candace. And then a, like, it actually was Giselle's hand trying to push uh, Monique away from Candace's hair. And I'm just like, wow, wasn't it somebody else who was saying that um, Monique sells, like gets blogs and uses her, her, her cousin and her brother to lie on people? I can't yeah. remember when that was and I was just like I never really cared much about it because I just think Monique's whack I never concerned myself with like what she was doing on the blogs but like 
This really bothered me. I was like, you smeared this girl's reputation for however long it's been. You even filed a counter police report as if you were in the right. And you were the fucking asshole this whole time. Yep. Yep. I mean, I feel like all of Black Twitter was like, beat Candace's ass. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, to now see how it really went down. Yeah, like, I remember specifically tweeting being like, I don't like Monique, but I'm very excited to see her beat Candace's ass. I I definitely tweeted that, and that definitely went around with me and my boys, like, my gay boys, in, like, our group chats, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I'm... I don't feel like, I can't say I feel cheated, but I do feel like lied to in a way that was egregious, right? Because the lying about the drunk driving, I get you could be in legal danger and your husband could end up, you know, getting really, really upset with you. You crashed a Bentley. Like, I understand the stakes there. But if you hit a bitch for no reason, that's some shit you got to eat, especially if it's going to be on camera. Like, I, whatever. <laughs> no, you're totally right. It, I'm like job rule after Firefest. Like I feel bamboozled. I feel duped. <laughs> I feel lied to. Uh, <laughs> this is wild. And you're right. You got a great point. Like I was totally on Team Monique prior to the season airing. Um, wow. I mean, do you think? I have a feeling we're not gonna see like full footage of this fight? Oh, no, I don't think so. Absolutely not. They even cut away on, like, love and hip-hop. So I fully expect Bravo to cut away from the women actually hitting each other. And if glass was involved, we're definitely not going to see that. If, like, blood is drawn and glass is, uh, you know, thrown, we're not going to see that. But I do remember from the preview that Monique was all the way outside and still trying to run past security to go back inside and beat Candace ass. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, true story, like, I'm somebody who doesn't mind violence in certain scenarios, but I I don't mind watching a fight, is what I'll say, but I also am somebody who is really anti-violence. My, I'm not the kind of person whose anger manifests violently, and I'm not somebody who thinks that fighting is how you settle an issue of disrespect or whatever. So mm-hmm. I am actually very disgusted that Monique did that. Yeah. And I, I liked, well, I didn't like, but it was a truthful conversation that we saw in the preview of Karen, I think, saying something like, in two seconds, like, we're supposed to hold ourselves to a higher standard as Black women. Yeah, and we and have to. It's not fair, but we have to, right? Yeah, yeah. And how quickly that went away. Um, wow. But it's not the first time. But that's the thing, right? It's a consistent thing with Monique, right? Because remember her incident with Robin, with the yeah. umbrella, right? Yep. And we, I mean, based on what we saw happen last night, now I know for a fact it really was that she was pregnant, that it was the only reason that she didn't beat Candace's ass, you know, <laughs> last time. Yeah. So... She's consistently been aggressive and I I just I don't like it. And I remember that Bravo doesn't like when cast members um 
use the law against each other. But if you physically assault me, the law is about to get involved. I wouldn't call the cops. I wouldn't call the cops on Monique, but I'm certainly gonna sue you. You put your hands on me. I'm in lots of pain. <laughs> my neck. Yes, my neck, my back. Wow. <laughs> Chris's $40 million football career starting to look like my $40 million. <laughs> Finally, I can get a home not in my mom's name. Exactly. She's lucky. <laughs> She's lucky, you know? Especially if there was glass involved. She's lucky. Wow. So many cuts. Oh, man. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, a final thought is that um, I, so at the first two or three episodes of the season, I was like, I don't know, these, these confessionals from Karen, they've got a lot more vitriol than they normally do. Um, mm. I was like, oh, you know, like, the, my part, uh, one of the things that I love so much about Potomac is the, banter between Giselle and Karen, you know? And I always felt that even as they poked at each other and wet at each other, even when Karen was being a hilarious cunt in the first season about etiquette and all of that, all of that, I always got the sense that they, like, really did ultimately fuck with each other heavy, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, if it came down to it, Giselle and... Karen both would jump in if somebody tried to fight the other, you know, but, right. and then, but at like from episode one of this season, Karen's shade at Giselle didn't seem playful anymore. And, um, I was like, Oh, I feel like uh, Karen don't actually like Giselle no more. And, uh, a couple of my friends were like, no, no, she probably is just, having a prob like she's probably just taking her anger with Ray out her frustrations with Ray out on other people or like maybe Karen's in a generally less positive mood so she's not as jovial in the um confessionals but the confessionals this week like yes she was shading Giselle the way that she normally does but she delivered it differently and then I was on Karen's Instagram um, I was on Karen's Instagram last night and Karen blamed Giselle and Robin for this fight. I saw that. Yeah. And, um, and then I remember reading gossip blog, um, rumors that, uh, Giselle and like Candace asked half the cast to, uh, stop filming with Monique and Giselle and Robin agreed. And, um, the and the other half did not agree and i do remember that karen is not somebody who likes bullying or an isolation of a single person she demonstrated mm -hmm. that with katie one time with ashley and so i think that karen actually saw how the rest of this season played out and is actually genuinely disappointed with and disgusted by giselle very astute observation. I think you're completely right. And but that means we're gonna get an epic fight at the reunion now. 
But I'm disappointed because I don't know if this is a permanent change in their relationship. I mean, usually around season five of a Housewives show, there is a permanent shift, but it's usually a permanent shift to glory. Um, but I, it would make me very, very sad to see um, Karen and Giselle break up for real, kind of the way that it made me really sad to see Kim and Nene break up for real. Right. Yeah. Oh. I, it would be a shame. And I don't know how we would move forward in a new season with that yeah, dynamic. The magic of this cast is that the beef never seems permanent. But now we have what feels to me like one permanent beef and what is building into a second permanent beef with Karen and Giselle. But Giselle doesn't seem to be shading Karen to the same degree. It seems very, very from Karen's side. Yeah. Uh, only time will tell. Only time will tell. I can't believe I think this much about these women. I'm a sad yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it felt like a dream. It was a real treat. It's always a treat talking to you about this. I, You make me laugh so fucking much, just like on oh Twitter. God. And just even talking to you, you are so hilarious. Oh. And uh, you should be famous, you know, some kind of like culture critic or, or, or something. You got to figure this out, girl. People need to hear from you. God bless you. God bless you for that. Um, trying to get, a, you know, a show on E! now that the Kardashians are gone. Well, hello! <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't have anything else going on, so you I might know, as well get, get there. This Terry Bradshaw family shit. I do not want to see adult no. bronze living with their daddy. Get the fuck out of my face. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, Ray... Tell everybody where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Raysani. I'm on Instagram, at Rafizzle87. Don't make fun of me. Rafizzle's a high school nickname. Um, and uh, I have a podcast called The Deliberation. Uh, check that out. It's a challenge recap podcast. And I have a podcast coming. We'll be announcing that soon. So, um and I'm very excited about it because it's with like a network and stuff. So that's like cool. And uh, yeah, just follow me. I tweet too much and I tell people to suck my dick all the time on Twitter. So if that's what you want, please come holler at me. Oh, what a treat. All right, girl. You have the best day. You too. You too. Thank you for this. I've just talked to you for two and a half hours about a TV show. <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> All right. Bye, girl. Okay. Bye.